All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Wally and Mathot Show. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He's former NHL defenseman Mark Mathot, who also for today, he's captaining our ship straight into rough waters. So hang on, everybody. Uh, Math, we have a fun show today lined up in the chat, coached by Whitewater Brewing Company, brewed by friends for friends. Don't forget to use the Wally and Mathot coupon code for 15% off at shopwhitewater.ca. We have Chris Weidman recently returned from his great season playing in the KHL. Well, he's now headed back overseas to go to the world championships. We have a lot to discuss with the former Senator. Oh, meth, something I forgot to bring up earlier. Um, you know, the internet can be a fantastic place to be, get lots of information. It can also be perhaps a, a quagmire of lots of different stuff, but it just sure. so happened. I want to thank our good friend, Catherine Jean for posting this particular photo online of you. Now, I don't know if you're, <sighs> I saw, I saw it. <laughs> Can you just explain to me? Um, I do appreciate the fact that you put your shirt on finally for the camera. Uh, the hair seems a bit out of whack. And there is a line in here that says in your bio, one of the most intimidating players on the nights. You had, uh, what, a point, a penalty minute per game. I think you had 66 penalty minutes in 65 yeah. games or something. Okay. So uh, here, I'll just hand it over to you. Well, uh, I, I can definitely appreciate the, the hair chirp. That was bad. 
It looked like I had frosted tips. That's because we all bleached our hair the year before in the playoffs. Unfortunately, it grew out and looked that way. I looked like I belonged in NSYNC or something. Um, and, and the intimidating thing, you got to keep in mind, I was a 230-pound D-man playing in junior hockey, and I was very physical. So, yes, I didn't have a lot of pims because I never really had to fight. I was, <laughs> I was able to kind of muscle a lot of guys. One summer, I came back to training camp. I think I put on like 25 pounds, like legit. I was working out that entire summer, uh, going from the gym to Subway to home and having another massive shake. And I did that every single day <laughs> until, until camp. So I, so it's funny, a couple of teammates of mine, when we were doing our, our, our two-mile run at a, at a local high school, Mark Hunter was standing, he was the GM, he was standing beside some of the guys, and he apparently pointed at me and says, see, boys, that's why you never lift too much weight in summer, because you look like <laughs> that, because I was just struggling to get around the track. <laughs> anyway, yeah, good times. That was an embarrassing picture, so we thank Catherine Jaff for posting that. I, I, like, were you an 80s hair band fan like i i think you could slide right into like platinum blonde <laughs> well i mean I, I looked like i belonged to motley crew or something but i wasn't there yet i was i was still kind of getting into that old school rock music at that time so i was at that like you know that that turning point where my music taste started to change all right fair enough i mean i do appreciate you as i get to know more and more and find out from our great friends on the internet uh, more about you it is fascinating you are perhaps the most interesting man in the world at the moment, because it just never ceases to amaze me the stuff that we can come up with, with you. Um, all right, uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, moving we're on. Gonna break, we're going to break down tonight's playoff matchups in on the points brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. We answer your questions and you want answers presented by faces magazine and trivial trivia. Once again, presented by gong show up for grabs today. Another gong show sauce off kit. Okay, Matt, it's time to throttle up this cruise. Uh, we'll get to the headlines built by Bonisher excavating Inc. Helping to shape the Ottawa Valley Bonisher excavating. Now, uh, you shouldn't be surprised because these are coming all episode long. Um, the Sens PD Day. Sens GM Pierre Dorian gives his final address of the season. Zuboy signed. Artem Zub signs a two-year, $5 million extension. JBD off to the WC. Jacob Bernard Docker added to Team Canada for the World Championships. Taxi driver. Oh, boy. Craig Anderson goes from taxi squad the game one winner with Washington and Sunday fun day. What a hat trick of great playoff games. We witnessed on Sunday in the national hockey league. First meth. Let's start with the Sens general managers PD day as Pierre Dorian talks for 40 minutes with lots of interesting things to talk about. Um, one, I want to start with his contract is he is up for an extension. He has one year left on his deal as does uh, head coach DJ Smith. He seems genuinely concerned that there hasn't been some talks is that a sign to Pierre Dorian that it's the playoffs next year or we're not considering bringing you back? It, I mean, it could be. Uh, I think I think if you're going to question any of his moves, perhaps it would have been more of the moves he made last summer with some of the veterans he brought in. I think that's common knowledge out there. This is nothing crazy that I'm saying other than I think some of those big, slow bodies they brought in didn't really help. Uh, and Dadanoff kind of hurts. But, I mean, at the time, made sense, right? He was doing great in Florida. Mind you, he was playing with Barkov and Huberto, so that might have something to do with that too. But in any case, I think there's no real rush to get him re-signed at this point. I think they want to see which way the team is headed as far as direction goes. And I think they are heading in the right way as far as the influx of all these young players and what they managed to bring to the table. So, uh, yes, pressure's on. There's no question. I think when you have four consecutive losing seasons or whatever it is, I, I think you have to start looking at everything as an owner. And um, I think... 
you know, he made a couple comments. I don't want to overstep. I don't know if you're going to ask me about this, Wally, but as far as the D, uh, the defense uh, uh, pairings go moving forward and what they wanted to do with depth, I know he addressed the top four thing. You know, with Zaitsev in the mix right now, I think that's hard to make that move. I think they're being patient. He doesn't want to show his cards just yet. So, you know, he's in the hot seat. There's a lot of pressure on him, but I think that's pretty common for any GM in this position. And a lot of the performance-based situation going into next year will, will factor into the decision they make with regards to resigning him. Yeah, you brought up the top 4D thing, and we have talked about it, I, I want to say, every other episode, it seems like, and maybe yeah. every episode. And that is, you and I both feel there needs to be somebody to partner with Thomas Shabbat, and that it's not Zaitsev or Zub. Yeah. Uh, Pierre Dorian completely, apparently, disagrees with you. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying. So I think you got to keep in mind, first of all, if they do want to address that and go after a top four and go into free agency, then there is no bargaining issue at this point. They're not desperate. They can flat out just say it at the end of the interview. But I think he's still trying to keep his options open, perhaps make a hockey trade at some point, which I know is a long shot at this point, but they have the assets and players to do that with, right? So there, there's always that option if they are desperate to go after a top four. But we had this discussion with Simmer and Ian there last week, and, and they made some good points. And it's, you've got Zaitsev making four and a half million dollars right now, and he's playing with Thomas Schwab. And he, he proved himself pretty useful. I know he was pretty rocky at the start. He ended pretty well, played a little bit more consistently towards the end of the year in that last stretch. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this. I do believe still you need a top four to come in and, and at least eat up some big minutes to take the pressure off your top D-man and Thomas Shabbat. But I think Pierre's reasoning and his rationale was that you've got JBD coming in through the pipeline as well as Sanderson. I mean, you can't expect two very young players to come in and have that 20-minute-plus uh, player impact as far as ice time goes. But again... There are so many unknowns at this point. I think the team isn't necessarily desperate because they did finish off trending in the right direction. So, I mean, I think we'll have to wait and see here what they end up doing at free agency. If, if, my gut tells me they will go after a guy. They just don't want to reveal their cards just yet. Interesting. Okay, we'll probably end up revisiting that in just a sec. But also, one of the things that uh, Pierre Dorian brought up, and I didn't get as much attention as I thought it was going to, and he basically said Tim Stutzler is going to be a really good winger in this league, meaning yeah. – we don't see him moving over to center. And I thought more people would be upset by that. I'm, and we brought this up earlier. I'm okay with him being at the wing. Like, I don't know what Great. the rush is to try and get him in, in the middle of the ice. It's not probably where it's going to end up with him in the NHL in the long run, because it's not, I don't think it's his physical stature. That's going to put him in the middle of the ice. Maybe, but right now, why are like, what's wrong with him playing on the wing? I, I have no problem with it. To me, this isn't even really a contentious issue. You make a really good point there. Wally. There's no real hurry to get him into the center. And he's so young. And, right. and, and playing playing down the middle in the NHL is a lot like playing on D as far as responsibility goes, right? Like there's, it's not just an offensive thing. You have to be able to play very strong and positionally sound in your own end. There are a lot of moving parts and, and you're driving the line, right? So at the NHL level where there's very little margin for error, um, it's just difficult. So I think at his age right now, where his maturity level is at, don't get me wrong. Fantastic player. He'll have a great yeah. future. I just don't think he's ready for that just yet. But the nice thing here is that, you know, you have that flexibility with, with Tim Stutzler and you can always end up moving him up the middle at some point over the next season or two. But for now, leave him where he is. Let him develop a little less pressure on him. He'll be fine. Okay. Also announced at that uh, presser is Artem Zub signs a two-year $5 million extension. Uh there's been lots of talk about whether or not yeah. it should be two this or longer. 
and he's tw- he's twenty he's twenty seven. He's going to end up going into free agency in two years. Yeah. Pierre Dorian says, "You know what? We've got guys coming up. We're not worried about our top four. Meaning, it sounds like you're going to move Zuber, let him walk for nothing in two years. Give me your thoughts on the signing and the length of that deal." Okay, Actually, so you know hold on, Pierre. First- First of all, tell me about the player you think Artem Zub is. Oh, okay. I can do that. Um, to me, that's one of the best. And I know we've had, Wally, you and I have had these discussions and you kind of shot, shot me back for it. But I think personally, just based off his play this year, of course, because again, it's just been one year at this point. But I just, I think he's one of the top defensive D-men in the NHL. That might sound wild to you, but I can bear, I can't find too many flaws in his game. I, I for me, when I look at Artem Zub right now, I, I see a very positionally sound D-man that brings incredible consistency to this team and to his play every single night. I mean, this is a guy that isn't shy to take that extra second or two in the D-zone when he's in a puck battle, he gains possession, he'll make the play. He doesn't shovel it up the wall like a hot grenade. This guy can find the middle of the ice very well. He's got a ton of poise in his play. Defensively, he's always in the right spots. And he's playing big minutes. And, and so I, I look at this lineup right now, and I think he is the best defenseman on the team. Thomas Shabbat is an incredible player, an incredible talent, can bring it offensively and defensively, but Zub definitely has that advantage. He's stronger in his own end. He's hard to play against. He has a little bit of bite to his game as well. I just I just think they're so lucky. It was such a great signing to bring this guy in, and, and he's a stabilizer. To me, that's the greatest compliment you can have as a defenseman, or be given rather, He's played with Riley. He made Riley look like a fantastic player. Brandstrom was in question all year. All of a sudden, Brandstrom starts playing with Zub. Brandstrom looks like an NHL player again. To me, that's a testament to what Zub brings to this lineup. So you got to give it to him for that. And and by the way, I'm not likely to ever argue with you on a defensive defenseman and how he plays yeah. in the National Hockey League. So I will agree with you on his play, whether he's one of the best in the NHL. And yeah, and, people and that people can, argue that yeah. all day long. Sure, so, but, sure. But what I appreciate about it is. You can see how well he plays. So then my argument or my question is, is two years, I don't want to call it a waste of a contract, but did they not, should they not have paid for more years on his contract and get him a few years of free agency? If he's so good, Matt, do you not sign him longer so you can move him later if you've got guys coming up that you think are going to take his spot? You're telling Artem Zub right now, you've got two years to play here and then we're moving Sure. Okay. Well, there's a couple of things and you can dissect it. I mean, you could make an argument for, for both sides here. Um, you know, if you're Pierre, you know, he's going to say, well, we have JBD and Sanderson coming in and hopefully but they'll you fill don't some top know role. if they're, I know to that. Play. I know I'm only looking at it from that vantage point and explaining what his thought process was, or maybe it was an excuse. I, I don't know, sure. but, but I do, what I do love about this contract is if you're the Ottawa senators is the amount like you're getting a player in my opinion, very similar to, um, I don't like to use myself as an example, but my last deal with the Ottawa Senators was at around $5 million a year, right? So you're getting a player who, in my opinion, is in many ways is just as effective as I was, at least at the time when I felt like I was playing well, and you're getting him at half the price in 2021. So yes, you got the hard cap right now and it's challenging, but Two and a half million for that player with the amount of ice time he's eating up to me is a steal. It really is. You're going to, and, he, and he's durable. I mean, he's a durable player who's able to take on heavy minutes, not be a liability. And in fact, quite the opposite. He's an incredible player defensively. So I love that. You're right. 
that two years takes him into takes him in to uh, unrestricted free agency, where they could possibly lose him unless they sign him at an exorbitant amount of money, depending on how he's playing, of course. So, again, if it's me, based off of what I saw this year and the amount that I just love this player, I would have thrown four or five years at him for sure. But I'm not in the room. I don't know what the bargaining issue is, and I don't really know the ins and outs of the contracts like Pierre does. But I, I mean, for me, I would like to have seen more term. There's no question. Yep. But the counter to that, they're getting him at a really cheap price. So to me, it's a good deal short term. I will say the deal for money-wise, very good at two and a half yes. million a year. It puts him third on the blue line in, in money. But Which is great. One, one thing I think gets overlooked a lot on this team, and we've talked a lot about the frugality-ness of this group. I don't even know oh, if right. that's a word. So, like, so, so that takes me to my next point. You just brought the frugality. How much is it Pierre's like we've Pierre's working? Pierre, yeah, I, don't, I don't even think it is a word. But Pierre, Pierre's doing what he can with what he's allowed to do, right? I mean, you're you're the GM. I'm sure he wants to throw money at a lot of players, but his hands are probably tied to a degree. He's got to be a little tight about it and try to squeeze out every penny out of each player when it comes to contract time. So it's, it's a tough position to be in. Well, and I'm not trying to be an apologist here. No, no. I'm but just saying, you know. If you notice contracts signed in the National Hockey League these days, they are front-end loaded, and they are with salary, uh, sorry, signing bonuses up front. The yes. Ottawa Senators do everything they can to back-end load them. So if they trade them away, they've got to take a higher salary on the other end. And two is they don't give them signing bonuses. So Thomas Shabbat yep. has no signing bonus in his contract. Yep. And it's a huge sticking point for guys who want that money up front. And that's what Ottawa gets handcuffed with a lot of times is not sure. being able to give money up front because – I can tell you like Mark Stone or uh, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot and these guys were looking for signing bonus money up front because everybody yeah. else is getting it. Well, and, and, and they earned it. And it's all about right. the barrels. And, and, and fans can always think, well, you're just being greedy. But I think most people that understand how this game works and how the market works, because it's, it's set at a market price. You look at your comparables when you're a player and when you see X and Y making, you know, a certain amount and you know, you're a better player, you're yeah. entitled to that money. And I guess, you know, it just didn't work out with those guys. I love that you brought that up with signing bonuses. You're right. They don't really throw those around here. No. And I also, and I know there's a flat cap issue and there's some other salary stuff, but, but yeah. the way Ottawa structures contracts is not new and it's not something that's probably going to away, going to go away anytime soon. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll move yeah. on and save it for another day. Cause we got the summer coming up. Um, let's go to JBD off to the WC. Oh, yes. That's it. 20 year old Jacob Bernard Docker is going to don the Maple Leaf. Once again, he's headed to the world championships on team Canada. This time at the senior level, Garcia just won gold in December with the World Junior Team. Matt, there's no guarantee that he is going to play. He's a late addition uh, due to an injury. But I can't imagine that this is nothing but beneficial for his career. It's, um, it's incredible for his career. I, I, I can speak from experience. I've gone several times. And for me, obviously, it wasn't on JBD's level where I was going at you know 20 years old by the time he gets out there. But um, I can tell you this. For a player, particularly a younger player who is breaking into the NHL, trying to become an established player, or even just looking to get into the league, if you have an opportunity to go over there and surround yourself with really good established NHL hockey players, it'll do nothing but wonders for you. And it's not just playing in the games. It's being around them in the dressing room, watching how they prepare, their good habits, um, practices, being around different coaching st uh, diff different coaches. Excuse me. It's an incredible opportunity for a young player to, to get a huge step forward as far as development goes and growth. 
And, and what an opportunity, again, for JVD. He's a young guy. He doesn't have to worry about leaving family right now or quarantining. He's going to go over there. He's going to soak it all in, absorb all this knowledge and information. And I, I, I couldn't be happier for him. Based off the small sample size that we saw of his play here, I know he's more than capable of translating that into that game over there. And he's a great skater. In fact, I know that they're probably going to try to get a game in for him, especially in those early ones where they yeah. the, the round robin games. Because uh, when we were down there and I played, they brought in some young players. They forced them into the lineup, sheltered them with some easy minutes between 20, 10 to 15 minutes a game. It's a great spot for him to be in. Uh, one thing that might get overlooked, and you can elaborate on this, is they always bring great NHL coaches. That coaching staff is always a yeah. phenomenal group. And so Gerard Galland is going to be the head coach. What did you learn from that time when you've gone over to have a different voice and a different way of learning some stuff? Well, it's it's nice when you go over there because the coaching staff is so relaxed, especially yeah. early on. You know, like these guys aren't worried about losing a job. They're just they're happy to be there. Of course, they want to win and they're applying themselves like they would during the NHL year. But the mood is just a little less uptight because, of course, you know, it's the world championships. Uh, it's, there's just not as much pressure. There's always pressure on Canada to win, of course. But I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's just secure in what they're doing. So for me, everyone was was really loose and you're meeting a lot of new people. I've had the opportunity again. I was playing with Ken Hitchcock, seeing Ken Hitchcock in that um, atmosphere under those circumstances. What a, well, he was just a different guy, right? He was more relaxed. He was very open. He'd pull players aside and talk to them. He'd sit down with you in the room and shoot the shit with you and have a good candid conversation. So these are all things that I think you can learn from. And again, you're playing around different guys, different coaches with different philosophies. And you just, you're able to learn so much. They'll pull you aside and, uh, during practice and perhaps, you know, chime in on something that you might be doing differently on breakouts where, you know, maybe try this play this time instead of perhaps shooting it up the wall. Those are all little changes that they have in their coaching style. So it's nice. You get a little bit of different guys and, and a different feel for each coach and what they bring. And uh, again, I can't overstate this enough. For me, just being around other players, being around other players from other teams, I think JVD is going to see this. It'll make him more confident. He's going to be out there and go, I'm just as good as this guy, you know, from practices. I'm better than that player right there. I can do that. And he's going to bring that confidence back with him when he comes back to Ottawa next year. Interesting to see. He also joins Nick Paul and Connor Brown as fellow senators that are going to be on Team Canada. I, I will say, um, you talk about the coaches being relaxed at the Worlds. I end up, I think I counted it up with a Lambino two years ago. We did, I think, 67 interviews. And so it was over the case, <laughs> like, lot. right, you talk in the morning, you talk after the game, yeah. you talk the next day. So you talk every day. And um, he was phenomenal to deal with by the end of it. In fact, when he came back to Ottawa, he always used to have black halls and I brought him halls just as a joke but he was always great to deal with but it was such a different relaxed atmosphere you get him against the post game of a flyer game and he's a completely different person so I do appreciate how relaxed it is and how much more fun it is to deal with uh, all nice. of Hockey Canada all right uh, yeah. moving on taxi driver this so the NHL playoffs have begun first game Washington Pittsburgh all of a sudden Craig Anderson is now being summoned into the game in the first period because Vitek Vanacek is out, looks like a groin injury. Uh, you know Craig Anderson very well. He's now a couple of days away from turning 40, gets the win. Uh, your thoughts on just sitting there watching that game unfold? Oh, man, it was wild. And I think just to touch on Andy here, like this guy's a pro. He's as professional as professionals get at the National Hockey League level. And I know this because I've had the opportunity to play with him quite a bit. 
He's one of those guys who's incredibly focused on game day. Can't really talk to him too much, um, but just dialed in all the time. And, and so seeing him come in like that, and what a treat, by the way, for the Washington Capitals to have a guy like Craig Anderson, I guess at the time as a deft goaltender, and now coming in uh, just, you know, uh, after all these injuries and being able to kind of lead the ship forward. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're very, very lucky to have him. And in 46 playoff games, he's got a 9-2-6 save percentage. So, I mean, we all know he's a gamer. All the fans here in Ottawa, we know he's a gamer from past experiences with the Ottawa Senators. So just a, just a great, great opportunity for, for, for Craig to kind of come back in now and relieve, relieve the team. And, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that he's rolling with it. He's just that guy. He's athletic. He's incredibly confident. That's the thing that I've always said about Craig Anderson, and he's a very good communicator. So he's a guy, almost like a third defenseman out there. I know I've said that plenty of times, but I can't say it enough. I'm very happy for him, and I'm happy for Nicole. I know his wife was really excited on Twitter as well. So it's it's good news all around, and it gives us Ottawa Senators fans somebody to cheer for right now. Yet another, yeah, like there's not enough of them in the playoffs right now. Um, That's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> One is. Uh, he had only played in two games this season with Washington yeah. and two, yeah. he'd only played in four games in 14 months. Should there be any surprise that he comes in at 39 years old and is as good as he is? Like, I know he takes care of himself, but there's gotta be, there's yeah. gotta be some well, rust. No. You no, know, there, and there, there may be, I mean, we know when you come back into that one first game, they come, there's a ton of adrenaline, you know, it's yeah. a last second call up your, your, your number one gets hurt. And so you have no choice but to relieve them. You're running off sheer adrenaline. You're going to do you're going to do well. The challenge for Craig now will be preparing himself physically and mentally for the second game. That's going to be the challenge. I, I think I think he'll be fine. But again, lots of pressure. It's a different animal when you're coming in now, knowing that you have to play. Okay, but because he's played in now 47 playoff games and yep. started 46, does the team in front of him, which is you know got a bunch of guys who won Stanley Cups? Do they play any different? And by that, I mean, are they a little more relaxed at all because they know what Craig Anderson does? Or are they a little more uptight going, we don't know enough about him right now? I would, I would say, yes, they'd be probably a little up, a little more tight and a little okay. more defensively aware, if you will, uh, during the regular season. But now, when you, playoffs is just a different animal. When you're a player and you're preparing for a game, you're so consumed with, you know, stress, and, and focus and anything else you could think of that you're focused more on yourself and you're so self-aware in the moment that, and I can speak on experience. I have a hard time remembering a lot of games from, from the postseason. It's just like a big blur. Yep. So I can tell you this, the players right now in Washington aren't focused on Craig Anderson. They're focused on themselves. Craig's going to be focused on himself and everything else will just play itself out as this game approaches. And again, Yes, there's going to be a little more added pressure now on Craig because he knows he's going to be playing and there's a little more pressure there for him, but he'll be fine. I, I have no doubt that he'll be ready to rock and roll for that second game. Well, hopefully he's uh, worked on his balance and just doesn't fall into the net like he did. In game yeah. Running. Anyway, <laughs> was, that, was that calculated? <laughs> accidentally on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's move on. Okay, so Sunday, three games, three playoff games. I'm not going to miss one more second of the of the Florida Tampa series. There's oh, no boy. chance that I do not sit down and I'm ready for this game an hour beforehand. What a phenomenal start. Now, is that the kind of hockey you want to play or was it over <laughs> was it over the line a bit? Like it just seemed like guys were running at guys. There you could have probably called a charge on every other hit it seemed. Well, I, I loved it. 
I loved it because I mean, <laughs> it was electric, right? And, and I oh. think it helps too. And what a difference, by the way, with the fans in the building. I think, yeah. I think that's not to trail off too much here, but that's going to be the tough adjustment watching the North games, right? It's going to be kind of flat almost. Then you flip back to watching Florida and it's just like WWE on ice with, with all the fans and every, any, but in any case, I love the, uh, I love the passion. I love the physicality in that, especially in that first period. All I could think was, how are they going to keep up this pace? I mean, like I'm in a, right. If you're, if you're playing in that period, you're thinking, boy, I I can't keep this up either. Either you're going to get hurt or you're going to burn out and things are just going to fizzle. But in any case, I loved it. I thought it was very entertaining. I think the whole day as a whole, we were treated to some incredible hockey, but if we're going to focus in on that Florida, Florida game, I mean, I I loved it. I think it's great. It's the first time they've ever played against each other and it didn't disappoint. I mean, I don't know how many penalties there were. I don't have it written down here, but there was, was, I mean, I looked at the game sheet after and it was just loaded up. So, so much for, and and by the way, we knew the Florida Panthers were going to do that because that's in their game plan. I think if they're going to give themselves a chance to win in this series, especially with the Tampa Bay Lightning and all their their big guns back in the lineup, and I know that was a little controversial as far as cap goes, but we won't get into that. But I just think if you're the Florida Panthers, this is exactly the kind of game you want to play. I know Sam Bennett takes that tough penalty at the end. I think the game was really teetered towards the Panthers for a while there, but I mean, if you're Tampa Bay, there's so much firepower. Uh, they're going to get their chances. It's going to be a tough a tough go for the Florida Panthers. So they have to continue with the physicality, try to drag them in with them, get them into the fight, try to distract them a little bit. That's going to be their playing style. See, I I thought that Tampa tried to actually out-muscle Florida and they got caught a lot. Yeah, trying to be too physical. Then all of a sudden there's, you know, there's two on ones uh, because they're two guys are trying to take out one guy at the blue line. Something like, I just found that yeah. they were trying too much to be physical rather than play the well, game. Well, and the same the same applies to that last goal, the fifth goal where Braden Point gets that go ahead. He kind of ch- I liked what he did. That's a veteran play by Braden Point where he slashes out of the zone and gets that breakout breakaway pass and very subtle that very subtle backhand uh, five hole goal. I mean that's a goal scorer's goal. But yeah, I mean that that's you make a good point there, Wally. That that's that could be the Achilles heel for Florida, but it, they have no choice. That's got to be the game plan for them. That's the way they're going to give themselves an opportunity to win this series. I feel like if you played in that game and weren't punched in the face, you did not engage in that game. <laughs> I know everyone was in it. And quickly, before we gloss over this entire, the, from the slated games yesterday, I just wanted to <laughs> mention, how about Peugeot and those three points? In I'm the getting Isles to that. Pens- next oh, okay, you're going to get me in that? Okay, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. want to miss it. No, no. We're, so I, one, I think I said that the Washington Capitals were playing Pittsburgh. I meant to say Boston, but two is uh, Pajot, once again, as we know, is a playoff performer, much like Craig oh, Anderson. Man. And you see it and you shouldn't be surprised. And Lou Lamarillo goes and gets Kyle Palmieri, who's another key figure. Uh, yeah. This is an Islander team that I said had a chance. And I think they look and they okay. Do. Right. And they do. So uh, I'm sure you've sent a message to Pajot about uh, his final <laughs> nope. performance against Not mess. I'm not messaging anybody like, cause I know when I, first of all, when you have a game like pager ad and you put up three points, you know, his phone's going to blow up. And the last person he's worried about is some pigeon. Like I am doing <laughs> the Wally and Mathot show with Craig Vidalius. So I think, I think right now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. This is classic pager and, and, and not to forget even Cody CC, by the way, on the other side, I mean, yeah. he scored, he, uh, scored, He's plus one and had almost 27 minutes of ice time. So he's really found a role on that team, which I'm very happy for. He deserves it. 
he's always had such a great attitude. So I'm very happy for him as well. Uh, you know, seeing all these ex-senators kind of progress and get better and excel in the postseason is almost kind of disheartening if you're an Ottawa Sens fan, but that's part of the game. They're no longer here. Do you uh, change your thoughts on who might win that series based on game one? No, no, I think it's still up for grabs. I think, okay. and, and that applies to all the series, really. If you've been watching these games, I mean, they're so competitive. There's no real clear-cut advantage out there. So to me, I mean, you're, you're, you're automatically giving your, your team a huge advantage. We all don't know the numbers. When you win that first game, you're automatically a favorite to win the series based off the numbers and past uh, history. But again, NHL playoffs, we know how unpredictable these games are, certainly under these times during COVID and, and all the restrictions and the weird scheduling and you're in a bubble. So it's hard to predict what these outcomes are going to be. But the favorites to me look good right now. Uh, and they did look good in Vegas the other night, except they don't get the victory. Is this a surprise that Minnesota comes up with the one nothing win? Mark Andre yeah. Fleury was phenomenal. Lights I, out. He was so good, but and I still think that that the Vegas Golden Knights carried that play. Just they yeah. let Minnesota hang around long enough to yeah. get a goal. Yeah, and that's again. I don't think too many of us saw it. I think a lot of people were calling for a sweep on that series. And I was almost one of them. I think I had maybe many winning one game. I'd have to look at my bracket again, but I, I just, I, it's one game. That's one series where I feel like it's still completely up for grabs. I still think Vegas is going to run with that one, but I was proven wrong in that first game. So who knows? I'm glad I'm not a betting man on that night. Did you, and Mark Stone, once again, like his play just gets elevated just like Pajot and just like Craig Anderson. I've yeah. I don't know the last time I ever saw him go end to end and then almost tuck it in. And those are two passionate players. So you watch, you know, you see some of these players and you get surprised with their postseason play. I can just tell you from playing with them and Wally, you've been around them. They're just such passionate guys. They love hockey. Every NHL player loves playing hockey. Don't get me wrong. But these two guys are on another level. They're almost like kids out there playing minor hockey as far as their, their enthusiasm goes and, and getting excited to play on those nights. It doesn't, they don't seem to get phased by the lights and the cameras and all the pressure that comes with playing in those big games. They just, they thrive under the spotlight. They bring the, you know, they're able to elevate their games and we've seen them do that since they were at the Ottawa Senators. So really I'm not surprised at all. It has been fun to watch. So I look forward to how this is going to all play. And round one is always yeah. so much fun because there's so many games. All right. Those are the headlines brought to you by Bonisher Excavating Inc. Helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Okay. Time for a quick break. When we come back, it's the chat with Chris Weidman brought to you by whitewaterbeer.ca. Meth, it's fair to say we are sailing in smooth waters now. Uh, don't go anywhere. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show. Time now for the chat quenched by Whitewater Brewing. From Blonde Ales to New England IPAs, Whitewater Beer is brewed by friends, for friends, available at the LCBO, licensed grocers, and shop whitewater.ca. And of course, if you go to whitewater.ca, there is an exclusive Wally Mathot coupon to get 15% off. Shop whitewater.ca. Must be 19 years of age or older. All right, welcome back to the Wally Mathot Show. Please be joined now by former Ottawa Senator and all-around good guy, Chris Weidman. Wides, welcome to the show. It's nice to see you again now that you're back from Russia. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. And, uh, you know, we've been back for a couple months, so we're just uh, enjoying being back home. My wife and I... Uh, been about uh i don't know yeah about two months now it's time's flying so we're uh thankful to be home and, and really enjoying ourselves uh did you uh 
take an adjustment period to get back from Russia? Uh, I was actually, yeah, we had a little uh, quarantine that we were required to do when we got home, which was kind of nice. And, you know, we just bunkered down at the house and, and got to spend time with the dog that I hadn't seen in, in seven months. So that was, that was awesome. And then just, yeah, just kind of like, you know, getting back to, you know, having a cell phone, like people calling you wanting to talk, like you really realize, like you have a lot of people in your life that are not that important when you go away and you don't have to talk to everybody for like seven months. So, um, yeah, just getting back to, to the, uh, you know, guys like Matt, you know, calling you like, Hey, can you come on my uh, podcast? You know? So I'm glad I got to work you guys in here. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been great being back and, uh, uh, we're really enjoying being with the uh, family and friends. So you guys, you guys started up that dry bar, right? Like the, like Caroline started that up your wife for those listening and, and I'm assuming she's still running that. Is it going okay? Yeah, things are things are uh, starting to pick back up traffic wise. Uh, we're our second birthday is actually next uh, next week, so we got a little celebration for that. Um, but yeah, no, it's it it was a obviously a tough year with uh, from the business standpoint. Um, really hard to see some of our employees go go through some of the things that they went through, just not having the you know typical hours and and things like that. Um, thankfully we were able to keep everybody on the payroll and employed and, and do what we could to help them. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. You know, in, in St. Louis in particular, things are starting to open up. We're seeing a lot of traffic and, and it's, uh, it's super refreshing. Are you guys at full capacity now? How, what, like, what exactly is starting to get back for you guys? Cause over here, we're not even allowed to golf. Yeah, no, it's, it's so hard to see then. And, and, and just, you know, I, I, was fortunate enough to make a, a bunch of friends up there, business owners, restaurant owners, and it, it's really hard to see, um, you know, what they're going through. Um, for us, capacity is based on square footage. So, you know, yeah. technically we are not at full capacity, but we couldn't have any more business than we're actually doing. So we're lucky in that sense. We're finally starting to get, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, our traffic is based on events, weddings, prom, graduation. So we're starting to see uh, those events being scheduled and, and then happening now, which is great for business. So we're, we're super thankful. It, it was a hell of a year. I think everybody's been through uh, so much. But here in St. Louis, I think there's the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, we're, we're just glad that we can finally see that. And now you're going back to Latvia uh, as a member of the world championship. But before we get back to you jumping on back on another plane, can we talk about Russia and what ultimately led for you to decide to head over to play a season in the KHL? Yeah, I think, you know, with COVID and, and kind of everything that had happened uh, over here with hockey, it just, it, it was a great opportunity. Um, it was something that was going to be kind of a risk. You know, my, my wife actually didn't end up making it there uh, until after about four and a half, five months. So kind of oh, wow. the deal with her was to have her come over and, and to be there at the start and then obviously come back to St. Louis and, and be involved in, in her business. But um, just with visa stuff that didn't end up working out. So that was a huge uh, thing to, to kind of navigate there at the start. But um, you know what, it was, it was a great opportunity to play for a team that has um you know, three coaches that played in the NHL. It was a very North American vibe in terms of how they ran the team. Um, you know, it worked out for me personally. It was a great experience. And 
I'm, uh, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity and that uh, my wife gave it the blessing and we were able to kind of follow through with it. So you were in, you were in, is it pronounced Nizhny Novgorod? Nizhny, is that what it is? Nizhny Novgorod. Come on, Matt. Culture yourself. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, I was close. It's really, it's, it's when I'm looking at it, it's incredibly difficult to pronounce. But anyway, that's about six hours from Moscow, right? Extremely difficult. So um, on a plane, hour and 15, the highway system there isn't really what you would experience uh, in North America. So yeah, by car, maybe like seven hours. Yeah, and, and you, we never had to do that. So okay. <laughs> we did, we actually, you know what we traveled when we went to Moscow, we would be on, it would be like when we used to go to uh, Montreal on the train. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah. It was, it was, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, the travel can get kind of, uh, my mom's about to walk in here. So, uh, she's stopping by to say bye before I go to Latvia. <laughs> so, uh, no, the, the travel was, uh, it was unique, man. I mean, we, we did a flight that was like 11 hours all the way to um, Habarsk, which is, I mean, you're closer to Anchorage than you are Moscow at that point. Real. So far. you're not even adjusting wides, right? Like, like it's, when no, like no, from no, no, a player's no. perspective, you don't adjust to the time zone. You just stay on your current. We were so lucky in that sense that our, our staff was just like, Hey, if we're going two hours East, then the game's at five o'clock. It's not at local time, seven o'clock. So we kind of stayed in our time. The Habar Strip was hilarious because we played a five o'clock local time game, which was 10 o'clock our time, a.m. So you're like waking up. These, I mean, they had the, the one game we played at seven. So it was like a noon time, I guess. They had a morning skate. We had guys like rolling out of bed, like having, <laughs> you know, like breakfast and rolling to the rinks. So, yeah. I mean, th- those are the unique experiences like that, that it's like really hard to appreciate unless you go through it yourself. And, yeah. and there were so many situations where, um, you know, it may have been difficult in the moment, but I'm very glad now that I'm sitting here in St. Louis in my kitchen that I was able to experience. So you put up some pretty good numbers, right? Like I was looking online and I didn't realize, and, and I mean, forget about the points. You're always going to be putting up points. Um, but you 73 pims. Was there a couple scraps in there? Ah, oh, no, Matt. You know, I just did, did you bring the sandpaper to the KHL? I tried. I tried, guys. <laughs> I grew the goatee out a bit a little bit. You remember, you know, getting back there with uh Dion and and uh getting on Carl for the goatee. We all tried to grow him out there for, for yeah. a bit, but um no, I had I, I whacked a guy with a stick, you know, and I got a I got a I think it was like 37 minutes. It's different there. Like okay. you, get, you get kicked out of the game. They give you like a five, a 10 and a 20. And then like, you know, you get fined for it. So I had one incident there that I wasn't, wasn't my finest, uh, wasn't my finest hour, but we were on like a seven day trip. I was pretty sleep deprived and, you know, just wasn't feeling a hundred percent, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a little different over there. The, the, the way they call the game um, again, all part of the experience, you know, our team probably wasn't getting, a majority of the calls for us, you know, we were a, a lower budget team, but again, that's, that's all part of it. So do they, do they still have like, cause I remember, and I, this could have been just more of 10 years ago, but I remember some of the teams just loading up on tough guys. you like, you'd have a bunch of meatheads, like a line full of them. Do uh-huh. they still have that over there? No, they, I don't think that's, I mean, I, that definitely was a thing. It, it was not during this past season. Um, I don't know if our team had a fight, you know, I mean, it, it, oh, did, wow. it, okay. did, it did get physical. Like I think people think of like the KHL, like, Oh, these 
big open, like, you know, wide open hockey with big rinks, big ice surfaces, like the, the top teams over there. I would really like, it, it'd be like how Guy used to have his play, like a one, three, one. You're just shutting like, it down. <laughs> they, like, they like shut it down, right? These top teams. Yeah. Then they have the skill. Once you turn it over, it's in the back of your net. Right. So we were yeah. more of a run and gun team. We weren't as deep as some of the other teams. So we kind of went for it and it was, it was fun hockey. Like you, you're like, okay, we're, we're not going to win this game one, nothing. If we have a chance, we're going to have to win it like five, four. So yeah. it, was, it was fun hockey. So it's not like the old school mentality. Like I mean, this is leads me to my next question. It's perfect. Do guys ever have issues anymore with getting paid? Are you even allowed to talk about this? Are they watching us right now while we're having this conversation? Like, you yeah, know, because in Wally, Wally's spoken to this, he's got some good stories about it too. But, you know, payments are delayed delayed sometimes to players and all that kind of thing. You know what? I think it's it's a per-team basis. Our team had no issues, thankfully. Good, um, good. Uh, there's always – you always hear stories. And, um, you know, COVID hit – the businesses and, and, and teams over there, just like it hit teams over here, you know, like I think every industry felt a little burden from what's happened in the last year and a half. Um, it's no different over there. So um, yeah. as far as pay, we had no issues and, and, you know, it's again, some of the stuff that you see and experience, it's like, it's, it's just part of the gig. I played with uh, who was it? It was Fetter, I think Fetter Tootin when I was in Columbus. He was my D partner as a rookie when I came in. And he, he had moved to Canada like permanently, but he would always tell me about how when they were over there, and I think he was living just outside of Moscow, but he would always tell me stories of how they, people would get pulled over by the police and you could just pay them off on any different occasion if you had <laughs> enough money and you can get offered. If there was a traffic jam, you could drive through a park perhaps. And just to get to the other side, like, again, this has probably been exaggerated greatly, but I, I just remember that it's always stuck with me. And I, I feel like people have a mis, you know, perception of what it's actually like. Is it like that at all? Like, like well, you know, you know me, Matt. I, I would exaggerate if you, if you if you let me. The only thing, the only thing that I can that I can really honestly say is, um, I I didn't drive over there. We were we had a driver that kind of got us to and from wherever we needed to be. Uh, thankfully, because there are lines on the roads there. I'm just not sure if people actually know that they're there. It's <laughs> like, it's true. Well, you're like, yeah. you know, it's, I'm like some of the stuff I'm like, and then you'll see like a car, like sometimes the cars on the opposite side or the steering wheels on the opposite side, you're like, okay. And then sometimes it's like that car, like is like one step up from having like a horse and carriage it's so yes it's like, like no ever kind of inspection done on these cars i i i can't comment on that officially but yes you'd be <laughs> you'd be correct right and then you go i mean it, it's it's the same right like you go to some cities and their public transit system is from like 60 years ago and you're like wow that bus you know is putting out fumes that you know you wouldn't see in north america so yeah. I mean, it's, it's all the, it's all, again, I keep saying this, it's all part of the experience. I, I'd see stuff and I'd be like, wow, I'm taking a picture of that because when I tell somebody about it, when I get home, they won't believe me. Yeah, it's true. And so we did, uh, I did world juniors in UFA one year <laughs> and like, it's, that is ex exactly what I think Russia to be. And it was a phenomenal experience. I'll never forget it, but I do remember, and I don't know if you saw this wide, the side of the road, the gas lines are like four feet up. 
and they they're exposed and they just go up and over the driveway and back down the other side. If there's ever an accident, you're taking these lines out. Anyway, that was one thing I never forgot was these gas lines are completely exposed. Like it's a, I, I can't explain how different the world seems to be in Russia. Would that be fair? Yeah, it's, it's fair. And I think that um, it was really cool. I mean, like the guys on the team yeah. were awesome. When my wife got there, I mean, I think going into it, she was a little nervous inter- to interact with the wives and stuff. I think after the first game she was at, she was like, well, they like to drink wine. So everything <laughs> loved it. They were, they were great. They were so welcoming. Um, she was just, I mean, at the end, you know, she, I mean, I think she was texting with a few of them yesterday and it's just really cool that we've been able to make uh, a whole, you know, group of whole new group of friends and people that, um, you know, we're just very welcoming, which was really cool. What was it her day of day like? Hey, like, what, what was she like? I'm just curious because I know with my wife, when I was still playing Columbus and I was dating her at the time, she'd come to Columbus and there was like nothing to do. She'd kind of sit around, she'd be bored now and then, and maybe we'd go shopping. Mm-hmm. But like, so if you're in Russia and you're in Nizhny, what is Caroline up to? So Caroline uh, has, has her business here. So she was doing a lot of like, of the, office work that she isn't really able to do when she's here because she's actually in the store uh, so, so she was working it actually, it actually ended up being great she was able to do a lot of the office work um once we kind of had an idea that things in st louis were going to be a little bit more uh laxed in terms of restrictions this summer she was able to book a ton of weddings and do this the, the legwork of uh the business side of things that she has a hard time getting time to do here so the time no change actually was, was perfect. And then we just, you know, we did a lot of like out to lunch, out to dinner. Um, the cost of living is a lot different than it is here. So you're able to go have a nice meal for 30 cents on the dollar as, as opposed to being wow. in North America. So we enjoyed just getting out, you know, meeting, you know, you go to a nice restaurant, somebody always speaks English, one of the servers. And like, we were able to, meet these people we went to the same restaurants a lot and it was funny like you know in the media it's always like oh russia u.s like they don't like each other like that was not the case at all people that knew that we spoke english if they spoke english we had a hard time like getting them to leave us alone because they wanted to practice speaking <laughs> english, right you know a lot of the people that are yeah. our age and older either learned a little bit in school, but learned by watching like friends and, and these American shows that are now, you know, have Russian voiceovers where they don't really have to learn English, this younger generation, but like the guys that are my age that could, could speak, most people could at least understand. And, and did you do it that way? Did you have fans in your stands? Uh, yeah. So that was again, like team, team by team basis or kind of, you know, whatever city you're in, the, the bigger clubs seem to have more fans than the other teams were allowed to. So I don't know how that works. You can, <laughs> you can figure that out on your own. But yeah, it's, it just seemed that, uh, you know, we go into play in Kazan, it's packed, you know, and they have awesome yeah. fans. Uh, there's some really cool and unique arenas there. There's some really cool and unique fan bases. Everybody's, you know, standing up, screaming. Um, which was an awesome experience. Like, you know, our fans were great during the playoffs when they allowed full capacity, like our arena, like a super low ceiling. It'd be like playing in Winnipeg, right? Not the biggest arena, but like 
when you go play in Winnipeg, you're like, wow, this is, this is loud. So did, uh, were you recognized a lot on the streets or do they leave you alone? Like you, like if you walked Ottawa, um, yeah, you're definitely recognized there because the, I mean, the team is huge there. Like it, it's been, the team's been around like, like 75 years. Um, it's a, I mean, that's kind of the only show in town. So it's, it's a big deal. Um, I was really surprised I and mean, I didn't know much about the KHL going into this. The KHL is a huge deal in Russia. Like people are like really excited about the team. They're really excited about the teams that come into play when the red army team from Moscow comes into play, like people are like, you know, they got to see the game, right. They want to come see the, the red army team play. They want to see the players and, and, you know, the team's got a lot of history. So um, it was, it was a cool experience. You know, people would come over at dinner and, you know, they might not be able to speak English, but they definitely wanted to like wave at you and give you one of these. So it was, it was cool. <laughs> Whites. I wanted to ask you one more thing about the KHL. I know Vladimir Putin had his annual, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was a charity game or what it is, but <laughs> naturally he was the MVP of that game. I believe he had like eight tucks. Um, I saw some of the highlights. Do you guys all have like a mural of Vladimir Putin in your dressing rooms? I don't, I don't, rem I don't remember seeing one, but um, you know, like our, our team was government owned really. Like our, our like yeah. local like governor was the, I don't even know how you, like we had, a, we had a GM, we had a president. He would be like, I guess the owner. I mean, wow. so he, it, that was an interesting uh, dynamic to it. Um, but as far as like Putin stuff, like. Well, do you feel nervous talking about him to us right now? <laughs> like, does he have that effect? Well, I'm, 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 this is a real question. I'm not even trying to be funny here. Like I'm obviously not a funny person, but I'm thinking like, if you're going back there, are you concerned that you might say anything negative about um, the man himself. I wouldn't ever say anything that I shouldn't, right? So uh, <laughs> like, uh. I do have a bonus that's supposed to be paid out June 1st that I'm that I'm hoping I don't we don't cross the line here. And, and yeah, so no, I mean, it's a lot of the stuff that you see is media driven, right? Like for sure. You yeah. guys, now that you're in media, I mean, you got to find stuff to talk about, right? And yep. You're looking for clicks. You're looking for for views, and for whatever reason, this Russia-U.S. deal has people's attention. And from being over there for seven months, I was never, I never felt uncomfortable. Nobody ever Good. was like, hey, "You're American. You know, we don't want you here." Like, it's pretty. If you can get over the fact that you are in Russia playing hockey and you were in the KHL and you were going to experience some things that you may not be comfortable with. It's, it's pretty normal. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. I know you want to get back to the NHL, which we're going to get to in a sec, but would you, if there was no other offer, go back and play in the KHL next season? I mean, I, I I'm not somebody that's ever going to say no. I mean, you always have to leave all the doors open. Um, I think after my experience this year, um, I'm definitely comfortable over there. Like, I, I don't think there was an experience where I was like, man, I could never do that again. I think, you know, my goal always was to go over there, play well and give my, myself an opportunity to come back, which I think that I have, but at the end of the day, you got to leave all the doors open and, and uh, make the best decision possible for uh, you know, now that I'm married fellas for my family and, and uh, you know, it's not a, 
it's not a one man rodeo that like it was when I was, you know, 22, 23, you know, <laughs> pack up your hockey bag and a couple backpacks and, and you, and you, you get the traveling circus. So there's a little more to it now, but um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it was definitely an experience that I um, enjoyed and, and that I wouldn't, uh, you know, say no to again. Uh, and by the way, Matt completely glossed over when he tried to get to your pins. That is, you led all KHL defensemen in scoring. And so I thought it was a little more important than your pins. But anyway, 20 minutes later, we're getting back to it. My point is, did you feel rejuvenated after playing that year based on the success that you had personally? For sure. I think anytime you get an opportunity to um, play, play well, and just kind of like, I mean, I had a a few years that were difficult, some injury stuff, yeah. some, some things that, you know, were, you know, just kind of happened. And, and when you get away from focusing on the hockey, like the NHL is such a hard league. If you have things going on that take your focus away from actually playing the game, it's even harder. So I feel like I'm a better player than I, than I was when I was a full-time player in Ottawa. And that's hard for people to say when they've kind of been away and had to go work on their game. And I feel like I'm there and I'm really excited about it. Okay. So you brought it up just about being hard times and I'm going to just ask a question and we're going to move on. And that is, did, if the Uber, Uber thing didn't happen, do you think uh, your career would be a lot better off today? Do you think it impacted your career is what my point is? Um, I think it'd be hard to say that it didn't. Um, I mean, the guys that were in the dressing room kind of know the real story. And I just yeah. kind of, you know, I, I'm, I was raised to be one of those people that, um, you know, you, you deal with, you know, what's brought and, and you face the, the consequences. And you know what, I think that um, kind of looking back on it, I mean, can't take it back. It happened. And I'm really proud of what I've done since then to give myself an opportunity to, to potentially play in the NHL again. So um, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, there's been some, some times that weren't so easy for sure. And, uh, you know, I kind of met those head on and, and I'm just excited to see uh, what's ahead. Like we all need to, and I, this isn't about that, but we all need to grow up at, at times, right. And beca you become better as you evolve. And so you say going to KHL and, and years later from Ottawa, whatever, that you're a better player. And I just, is that just a part of just kind of growing up and and finding whatever works for you personally, right? Like everybody doesn't have to be a star at 22 years old. For sure. I think that there's definitely a uh, maturity factor, both on and off the ice, right? Like you're, yeah. um, you know, you're developing not only as a player, but as a person, right? I'm 31 now I'm married. I'm, I'm a little bit more, um, you know, in tune with what works for me professionally. And that's, and that's great. You know, sometimes it's, um, you know, sometimes, like you said, you're, you're a superstar at 19, like you see some of these guys and sometimes you're, uh, you know, it, it takes a while and, and some experience to get you to your um, maximum potential. And I, I do believe that, um, you know, some things that happen that weren't, uh, you know, weren't, weren't the, the greatest experiences have made me a better person and a better player. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'm happy that Wally brought that up. Cause I think in wides, you obviously know this too. I think people don't always understand it. Just like, and, and this is especially true with goalies, but even with D men, I find you don't really peak 
or get to that, like that ceiling until you're like probably closer to 30 years old. It's a hard position to come into the league as a young player and actually put up some points or meet those expectation levels. So I feel like I'm agreeing with you. I think, and you, you said it very well there in that I think once you get to around 30, that's how I felt with my game. Anyway, I just felt very confident and, and I, you feel really good about it where you're at. You've had enough experience at this point that you've learned about all the tendencies. Do you feel that way right now? I think, I think I feel more, you know, just, I, I keep mentioning, you know, my wife, but I think that has really just given me such a good foundation, right? Like come home every day. Like it's, um, she's been unbelievable the last few years when, when things kind of got tough professionally, um, I've really leaned on her and, you know, it's, I mean, you hear guys say this all the time, but it, it really is true, right? Like she's been very, very, um, you know, consistent and, and very supportive and that that's helped a ton. I will say like through everything, the injury that I had, uh, with the hamstring that was probably more detrimental than I originally thought, you know, like obviously yeah. the surgery was difficult, but coming back that following year, I was probably at 70, 75% without even knowing it. Right. Like I, I was trying to play because I wanted to, I'd, I'd missed, you know, 60 something games. And, you know, Oof. when you're 27 years old, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Like yeah. there was nobody yeah. telling me like, Hey, take more time. Like you're not ready. Like I'm thinking like I'm 27, I'm on a one-year deal. If I don't figure this out, well, they'll just bring somebody else in. Right. Yeah. And then you're just, you know, some of the off ice stuff happened and you're just kind of like, you feel like you're on a double black diamond without ever being on skis before. Right. I'm trying to make sure that I get some, you know, feet under myself. And it just, it was super hard to do that. So I think, being fully healthy now. I mean, this was the first year I've had where I finished the entire season and I'm going into the summer, like no issues, feel good, feel good about my game. Like that's hard to do it. Like people don't understand how hard that is as a professional athlete, not only to be healthy, but to feel good about yourself mentally yeah. and, and your ability. So I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So anyway, to touch back now, back to, to, to Latvia, congratulations again. Thank you. I, I wanted to talk about that because I've experienced it. Wally's, prop, Wally's a legend on yeah. the road when it comes to the world. Yeah. So, so we know how much fun it is. Um, this, do you feel right now like there's a ton of pressure on you then to just perform? Because you have an opportunity all of a sudden to skate and play with all these other NHL players. And I know personally that was like my coming out party in that all of a sudden I'm surrounded by these good players and I could keep up. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, I belong. This is, this is good for me. Do you feel that way right now? Like that you'll have something to prove? Yeah. You know, you, you always, like I, I played in 2016 and after my, my rookie year in Ottawa and I, and I was like, okay, this is my opportunity to just kind of like get, like you were saying, get yourself out there. Right. You're with other guys around the league. So as far as that, that's concerned, I'm very thankful that I have that experience to kind of like go back to, but you know, for me, I think that it's just one of those things where it's like, it's hockey, man. Like you just go play hockey. It's what we do. Right. Like if you were asking me to go like kick 25 yard field goals to like win the Super Bowl, I'd be shitting my pants. But like, <laughs> this, is, this is something that I've done before. And, yeah. you know, I feel good about where my game's at. I'm, I'm so honored and thankful for the opportunity because 
you know, they could have easily gone another way and chosen somebody else. Um, you know, I, I think I committed to this thing like a month ago when they asked me and I, and I, I just very thankful that I have the opportunity and I'm ready for it. And I'm, and I plan on taking uh, full advantage of it. You know, Christian Milan in that, right. You guys would have been teammates I, or was he? I do know Wooly. Yeah. So yeah. he was, um, I think the year that I got hurt, he was up for the end of that year. So I got to know him a little bit and then, yeah, just, I've been around him a, a bit. He's a, a good guy and, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing a, a few, a few familiar faces. And so how much do you, think that this performance at the worlds and i know it's completely different year with COVID and how the worlds are going to play out but is this going to be what puts you back in the nhl like is do you have that pressure on you to do that with the worlds i don't know about pressure i think that it's you know you're i'm (laughs) i'm probably approaching it a little differently than the first time i went when i had just signed a two-year extension and you know yeah. like you know rooming with patty maroon and we're you know a couple of those boys <laughs> over in russia it's be a little bit of a different tournament but again like I, i'm i'm just thankful for the opportunity right like i'm going to be around uh like matt said some other guys uh, that have played in the league um you know the, the staff it's just a and, and meth can kind of attest to that like you're able to develop personal relationships with people that you otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to. And at the end of the day, life's all about, you know, making good impressions on people and, and letting them see who you really are as a person. Uh, uh, are your arms as big as mess? Did you just work out before you came on here? Like, Oh yeah. I was kidding. You know what? So my, my wife's been super busy. I'm like in charge of like laundry now. This probably shouldn't have gone in the dryer. I think that's, that's what's going on. <laughs> no, you look good, White. Because we were talking earlier, and um, you know, I, I, about my noodle I, arms I, I called I you noodle arms. I and and you know, you're, you've always been in relatively good shape, but your your arms looked especially more spaghetti like five years ago. But you do you do look bigger, and I mean, obviously, part of that's probably just spending a year in Russia. We all know what happens in Russia. Oh, God. but I just. I just wonder, like, you know, as your as your training regimen changed a little bit right now, like with COVID and all, are you even going to the gym or do you have something set up at the house? Um, so like I said, we're we're a little bit more lax than you guys are there in terms of uh yeah. restrictions. So I've been able to go to the gym, our our rink's open, so I've been skating. Um, yeah, no, I think just you know, I've always been like a smaller-ish guy. I think that, you know, my body probably was a little bit later developing than some others and you know i think again as you get older and you mature you understand that like having a good meal is probably better than having pizza or like something that's, <laughs> that's not true. you know like it, it does take yeah. not to say that i'm you know when i was in ottawa i'm eating pizza every night but for telly's pizza there's a free plug is <laughs> very good ain't bad so you know i i you know it's yeah. It's all part of it, right? You're, you're well, developing and, and, and physically developing. Yeah. Well, you'd be the, uh, what, the third largest defenseman, I believe, on the Ottawa Senators right now. They're pretty small back there. So I feel like they could use you, but I, I won't put you on the spot. I haven't, I haven't I I caught too, too many games. I do, like, obviously, I'm a, you know, I love, you know, Brady from St. Louis, love Brady. Um, not really like, I'm, I've always been a shabby fan. Like, I think he's, unbelievable other than that and and whitey's there too other than that i don't really know a ton of guys like i think uh 
Dahmer, uh, the trainer, Dom, Dom texted me, I think about, you know, happy birthday or something. I'm like, Hey man, thanks a lot. Like say hi, say hi to like Mitchie. And I'm like, uh, Johnny and some of the other trainers. And I'm like, shit, I don't really know anybody else there. So hope you guys are doing well. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to the world's. Oh, awesome. That's great. Dom, we'll Dom like, John, forget Alex. Hi to each other going. Like the window, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're great dudes. I, I can't emphasize that enough, but they were there obviously when I was playing, what a crew. So you'll be able to have a couple beers with them in that infamous first week at the worlds that Wally knows all about. Well, we don't get guests this year. So no, they're like, you're in a bubble. They, yeah. you know, I, well, I you're not allowed to leave. I thought they were ahead. Oh, right. No, Rico. they're a hotel bubble. Um, so you're not allowed to leave the hotel. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, for me, like it, like I said, it's going to be a little bit different of a mentality than the first time I went there when I was like, yeah, you, know, well, you can a, have beer in the room. You guys can have like your own little isolated parties, you, right? You can, you can, you know, there's definitely some guys that I, I'm going to want to catch up with on, on some different yeah. teams, but I'll definitely be uh, going to see the uh, Ottawa training staff. I mean, I've, I've kind of played around a little bit and this is no knock to anybody else, but like, had I been able to have my original plan for our wedding where we had a, a quite a large guest list, like I would have invited a few, you know, a few of those guys, they were so good to me and, and my wife and um, Matthew would have probably been on that list, but sorry. Really? Thanks. Are you just, you're just no. saying that. Thanks. Well, man. no, we got to, I mean, could you imagine math on the dance floor with that shirt off? Oh, I would cut it up. Don't don't I'd get be, me started. I'd have to stretch I'd first. Afraid, I'd be afraid to use the restroom. My wife, you know, around you with that shirt <laughs> off. It's like when brass comes to visit. I like. I'm afraid to get in the shower. <laughs> I don't know what's going is, on. So, is there one Ottawa senator you don't miss that you play you know, with? People always like like. I mean, that was the crew that we had when we went on that playoff run was as close of a team as I've been on in pro hockey. I mean, I'm like stay in touch with like 90% of the team. And it's like always about some like stupid little joke that happened. And it's, it's just as funny. And, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful that I was a part of that team because there was some great memories, but just a cool group of guys, everybody got along, yeah. everybody, yeah. you know, I mean, we weren't on paper were we better than some of the teams we beat probably not, but I mean, we had like, I mean, Pager scores four goals in a playoff game and like a noon start at home. Like, come on, like you can't even <laughs> can't even script that better. And they interview him after the game and he's like, I thought I ate too much for dinner. I was nervous. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Yeah, that doing? was the game he had like two chicken parms. Yeah. And I, people like, have to understand talking about our pregame meals, our pregame meals on the road, those chicken parms are massive. They're like yeah. these little bricks. And that little man had two of them in him. It was yeah. crazy. I mean, I'm like, we're watching slap shot before every game at lunch at home. Like just doing <laughs> stuff that was like, you're looking back at it. You're like, wow, that was. Or fun. listening to Frank Zappa as a wind song. Yeah, after I mean, the games. Clark MacArthur putting that on. I mean, like we had a, yeah. we had a ragtag bunch of like really good guys. Good. I mean, like look at where Mark Stone is now. I mean, he was an awesome player for us then, but like, he is, I mean, I can't think of a guy that I'm like, okay, I'd rather have him on my team. I mean, obviously like McDavid, you know, McKinnon, Crosby, but like Stoney's like in the conversation, which is, yep. you know, Agreed. crazy to me when we're like sitting in his hot tub on the, on the roof over at his place in, uh, in Westboro there. And he's letting me live rent free. Like he's just, a, I'm, I'm very happy to see where he is, but a, a really good dude. 
everybody gets to live apparently at Mark Stone's house. Um, finally, hey, what about Dion Phaneuf? Uh, have you talked to him lately? He seems to always come up in every episode. I'm just uh, curious of your relationship with Dion. Yeah, like once or twice a week, only when I really need a good shit kicking, I give him, I call him back. <laughs> I call, I call him back. I get, it's hilarious. Like we're out, he, he's obviously two hours behind me living in LA. Um, so like, you know, I, I, if I'm going to the gym at like early in the morning, I always call him on the way and be like, like, he's like, hello. You know, I'm like, Oh, sorry to wake you up. He's like, I've been up. I've been up for a couple hours. <laughs> I'm actually, actually on the stationary bike. I'm like, okay. And like, you know, for sure. He's just like, oh, playing in back. <laughs> yeah. so we're always back and forth. I mean, he's, uh, I can't thank him enough for what he did for me when we were playing together. And even after just always a guy that you can rely on to give pretty sound advice. He's been through a lot and he's got a, uh, a good perspective on things. So, um, you know, we stay in touch quite a bit and, and I always enjoy uh, a good conversation with old Dion. Yeah. He's a character and he, he's the kind of guy that he never really had anything negative to say when it came to prepping for a game or practice, right? Like, like, like I, I'd get, you know, be going to the rink on a bad day outside and maybe I was a little tired and I'd be bitching about it. How do you feel? He's like, I'm excellent. I've actually never felt better. And I'm like, you slept like three hours last night there. Every time we're like on a back to back with travel. He's like, I feel this is the best I've ever felt in my life. And I'm like, what are you? Yeah. And that was that, but that's how he was. Right. And so he kind of like in, in his own way, he was a really good leader on the, in the room. Right. Because you could never have an excuse. Like this guy's played, he's an old war horse who's played like 15 years at this point uh-huh. and, and not a negative bone in his body when it came to the game. And, you know, we could be complaining about how tired we are because it was a back to back, but good old D was like, I feel great. Are you ready to go tonight? And he can kind of give you that look. <laughs> I remember like, so I, when Alicia was not in Ottawa a ton and I was living on my own. So we spent a lot of time together. Um, I can think of like, a few times after a Saturday night game, we have a couple of beers on Sunday. Like he'd invite me over for like dinner or like to watch football in the afternoon. He would like make me ride the stationary bike at his house with him. <laughs> I'm like, you are so nuts. Like we like, we haven't had a day off in like seven or eight days. Like this is our day yeah. off. He's like, you need to sweat. I'm like, <laughs> so, like there I am like in my like underwear or like, if you let me borrow a pair of shorts, like riding the stationary bike in his basement. But like, yeah. you know, it's like, how, how, how great is that? Like he had an unbelievable career, but the mentality that he had probably carried him further than anything else that he had physically or like skill wise, he wasn't going to beat him if he had a say in it. So um, very appreciative of, of everything that he's done for me. And uh, it's been a fun relationship. Uh, I want to ask uh, another hot button topic. You are g- good friends with Tim Peel. I think it is right. Like, I Have am. you spoken to him? I, like, I know this is obviously tough for him. I'm just curious of your reaction based on how well you know Tim Peel, the official. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that we're like best friends. I do know Tim. He's, he is a very, very nice guy. I've uh, played some golf with him. You know, just a, a really unfortunate situation that he was involved in. I think, you know, uh, Matt, we were talking about this the other day on, on the radio. I think it's, you know, one of those things like, horrible timing. I, I feel, I feel bad for him. Um, at the end of the day, he had a fantastic career. Uh, I think that he's the type of guy that will try to find some positive in this and, 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 
you know, I don't, I don't think it'll be a, a thing where he, you know, looks back and says, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And he, yeah. he's a good dude and, and he will get through it. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. And it's tough because, I mean, he's in the middle of the spotlight. But I'm going to assume both you played that this is not a particularly isolated incident by any stretch of the imagination. No, I think that, you know, there's only so many officials, right? So, like, yeah. if you lay into somebody, you're going to run into them down the line, and they're humans, right? They remember stuff. So yeah. I think that the tighter that you can keep it, and, like, I remember, like, my first maybe year in Ottawa, like, we used to just get on all the refs and linesmen and stuff, and, like, we weren't a great team, so we probably couldn't afford to, like, kill that extra penalty. And, like, you know, it's – you, you, those are the things that you have to kind of experience and learn to become a really good team. And I think when Guy came in and we had a little bit more structure and we let just Eric yell at the refs, like it was only one guy, <laughs> it was only one guy. like it, it was probably yeah. better for us rather than having like me with like, you know, 30 games of the league screaming at the guy for like missing <laughs> off the ball. Like that's probably looking at me on the bench like, hey, uh, sit down and pass me that water bottle. <laughs> So you're saying Eric is vocal with the officials. Eric, oh, that's an understatement. Eric deserved to be vocal, though. When you're that good, like, you expect things, like, you know, and it's it's the same way the top players in the league are. They are um, – they expect things to be ran a certain way. And yeah. to their credit, that's what they deserve because people are watching the game because of them. Yeah, and they just see the ice – they see the ice different. It's like it's like why a lot of them, like the great top-tier guys, don't really ever make good coaches, right? Because they're looking at you on the bench thinking, okay, you know, like why? It's, why didn't you make that pass there? Why don't you hang on to the puck I don't, Because you know, it's, I saw that, I would be – I'd be you. And, you know, right? Like I used yeah. to love when you guys would get into it on the bench. Oh, all the time. Like, like you would just be like, okay – like it would get to the point where you're like, I'm not winning this. So you know what? I agree. Yeah. Right? Like, I know. And I would always tell him like, he, he would tell me, Matt, you got to give me the puck there. Like yeah. it was usually about getting him the puck on the point. Yeah. And I, I, I always would say to him, dude, I'm not Paul coffee. I, I don't see the ice like that. If I saw the ice like you, I'd be making $10 million a year. But yeah. unfortunately for me, I, I, I can't, you know, so, yeah. you know, it's just, but it's funny, but that's to, to get back to it. That's just the competitive nature of these guys. So we kind of veered off from Tim Peel there. We're talking to okay. Eric, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's a different game, but I guess I don't know where I'm going from here. So I need you to save me or Wally. I have another important question. And that's one we ask almost everybody until I forget. Uh, yes. Is now I'm going to, I'm going to make it a little different. We always ask who, what your favorite snack is if you're sitting at home watching a movie. But if you're in Russia, did you have like a favorite Russian snack? Not really. No, I, I mean, I didn't. I'm like, I'm pretty easy. Like, I, I like popcorn. Like, just like you could get that over there. Like, there wasn't a ton of stuff like snack wise. And I'm not really a big snacker anyway. Like, I like to keep it a little trim. Meth nose. He's, he's oh, for God's sakes. Listen, stop dodging the question. He like, showered with me a little bit. Um, for me, well, for me, it would be like chocolate. Like I like dark chocolate oh, and that's my cheat snack. Like ice cream, chocolate. Like I'm, I'm, I, I like all that stuff, but like, if I'm like, it's going to, I like, I like, like, you know, like that skinny pop popcorn. Do they have that? In yes. Yeah. Yep. Love yeah. That yep. Stuff. Okay. There it is. Like, skinny know, pop. Skinny pop when you can eat three bags of it in one sitting, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my jam. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's, good. That, that's an acceptable answer. Um, when you head out to Latvia, 
tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Wow. So uh, good luck over there. I, I know it's going to be obviously a little different than perhaps other world championships, but we, uh, we're excited to see you back and we uh, look forward to watching the world's to see maybe uh, the Americans lose again to the Canadians. It's okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think we, uh, no, we lost both times last time, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to, no, we're going to, it's going to be a great tournament. I think that, uh, you know, the group that we have will be kind of hungry to, you know, some guys that are, uh, you know, trying to, to prove some things, some young guys that'll, that'll be young and hungry. So um, it'll be good. Thanks. We appreciate your time. Wides. Uh, take care. Yeah. Good luck. Safe travels. Thanks for having me and Matt. Great to see you, pal. <laughs> good to see you too buddy that is the chat uh it's brought to you by whitewater brewing whitewater delivers beer right to your door and they're offering exclusive savings to wally and Mathot listeners shop whitewater.ca and use the wally Mathot for 15 percent off coupon must be 19 years of age or older All right, time now for On the Points, brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. Head over to SportsInteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot today to get in on the action. Must be 19 years of age or older. Okay, Meth, three games on the NHL skid tonight. They're all playoff games, obviously. Now, uh, we go to game two, Washington-Boston. We saw overtime thriller in game one. Who are you taking in game two? First off, I just want to throw a huge shout out there to Craig Anderson for coming in and playing well. We're biased a little bit and that we're fans of his. I know I am. But in any case, this is a touchy game for me because I thought for sure you'd see some real high scoring. I know five goals wasn't a whole lot in that first game, considering the firepower on both sides. But I'm still tempted to take the over here only because I think it will open up a little bit, bit more here as players get more comfortable. That first game, nerves always play a huge factor. So I'm pretty confident in that over going into game two. Interesting. I, I mean, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand had one shot on goal combined. I think uh, Pasternak mm -hmm. had six. They just did a pretty good job of containing that line. And until they can find a way to score, I think Boston has trouble offensively. I'm yeah. taking the under in this uh -huh. one. I okay. just don't see how these two are going to combine for a shootout. And as we've talked earlier in the show about Craig Anderson, I just think he gets in playoff mode. He's a different goaltender. I don't care how old he is. I'm going to take the under in the Washington-Boston series. And I will take Washington for the win. You didn't give me your winner. <laughs> Washington's one of my horses right now in my bracket. So despite, uh, you know, the winning culture, as we all know, in Boston, I'm still going with Wash. They're just too strong. They've even they've picked up Big Z there on the D. And, you know, <clears throat> Big D men, to me, always – help out a team big time in that postseason with their range and, and stick length. So I'm going to have to go with Washington. Uh, let's go on now to the Central Division champion, Carolina Hurricanes taking on Nashville. This one's interesting to me because Nashville comes in on a tear. I, I think they're like 7-2-1 yeah. and one their last 10. They beat Carolina in the last two games of the regular season head-to-head. -head. So who are you taking in this game and in this series? This one is interesting to me because I think at any other point during the season, I would have said Carolina in a heartbeat. But right now, it goes beyond just the hockey. There was a little bit of uh, political gamesmanship going on prior in that um, as far as uh, Tennessee goes, they were apparently a clear-cut favorite with that home ice advantage and having a full arena. And right now, I think a couple days later, just coming into this first game, uh, the, uh, the governor of, of North Carolina came out and loosened the restrictions so they could have fans come into the building. So it gets a little interesting there, but I still think uh, for me, Carolina, they're just so deep up front. And, and, and more importantly, I, I love their top four on D. 
right now with Gardner Hamilton, Sky and, and, and Pesce, I think they're just, they're too strong. They've got a lot of experience back there. Um, they're very deep. I just, and then with me, Peter Mrazek, of course, in goal, I think they're going to be uh, dictating that series for me. So I'm going to have to go with Carolina. It's interesting. You know, Carolina was six and two against Nashville this season. So you, I just look at, they got Roman Yossi, they got Ryan Ellis on the blue sure. line. Like, like, and they but they've have, struggled. They've struggled. I, I, they struggled till the end of the season, though. They, in their yeah. last 25 games, they've got 18 wins. Yeah, they're, like, they're playing great. That's an interesting one. I, I can still believe that Carolina were so yes. strong during the regular season that they will continue to play that well. That's who I'm. So I'm taking Carolina in the game. I thought I'm for sure you'd go against me there, Wally. No, <laughs> the I, I wanted to, I, but I, yeah. uh, and I like James Reimer. He's a good buddy of mine. Okay. Yep. Uh, finally, uh, it's the president's trophy winning Colorado avalanche against a, a beat up St. Louis blues team. And I don't know how badly this COVID is going to go through this locker room or how, or what effect it's going to have. This is a tough one. If you're a St. Louis blue fan. Yeah. Things aren't looking real good. And now, as you mentioned it with potentially a little, the big virus going through that locker room doesn't really help their chances out. Now, the only thing just despite perhaps the odd injury or virus infection that's going around, God forbid that happens. I think that winning culture in St. Louis always kind of helps them a little bit. There's always that, that, you know, voice yeah. at the back of my mind that's saying these guys know how to win. So they're really hard to uh to bet against but i mean come on we're talking about the colorado avalanche here they're my stanley cup favorites i feel like they're going to steamroll through this series st louis might steal a game here or two but even then i'm reluctant to go there i'm thinking that it might be a clear-cut sweep if not st louis might catch a game uh to me they're just too deep and they're, they're too offensively powered uh in colorado colorado in the last 33 games we're 26, five and two for an 818 winning percentage. They just are dominant as a hockey team. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't want to disrespect the St. Louis Blues because of they're a pretty good hockey team in their own right. I mean, they've won yeah. their eight, one and three in their last uh, 12 games. But the Colorado Avalanche, I think they're going to, I'm going to go five games. But I just and think you had they're them. probably going to sweep. Yeah, and you had them as, as a Stanley Cup favorite as well, didn't you, Wally, yeah, earlier on? Yeah, and then yeah, you took so, it, I mean, so I, I felt like I had I know, it, just to be different, right? Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I will admit now that I did probably kind of take that from you, but in any case, <laughs> I do agree. I think I think that, that that series in particular of the three that we've just discussed is the most obvious. Yeah, and, and, and watch us be surprised and it goes seven, but that's how the playoffs work, <laughs> which is why we always watch. Okay, the picks yeah. are in. Are you? That's on the points brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathot. Sports Interaction is Canada's online sports book. Must be 19 years of age or older to play. Odds subject to change. All right, let's bring in Craig now. And now, Craig, before we get to you want answers, uh, I want actually some answers about a poll that was recently posted by one uh, Mark Mathot about who. <laughs> I think I know about this one. Who's better looking? Now, I believe I got sabotaged in this whole event, but. Somehow Craig emerges as the clear-cut best-looking guy of the three of us. Um, uh, Matthew, would you like to explain yourself? Look, I was having fun. I was feeling really good about myself that day. I had a good <laughs> hair day when I woke up in the morning. It was just naturally parted one way. I looked at my wife and I told her how lucky she was. And then I decided <laughs> I'm going to run a poll on Twitter just to rile people up a little bit. And it, and it did work the way I yeah. thought it would. I thought I was going to finish first. <laughs> just because it's kind of funny. And I wanted to see Wally with his perfect teeth and skin mm -hmm. finish dead last. That The fans did disappoint there, but Craig was the, <laughs> the, the dark horse in this race, right? He ended up winning. 
Yeah, yeah, that's didn't see that one coming. Uh, but the internet remains <laughs> undefeated, undefeated. Yeah, and actually, uh, now, I want to puke. Wise was giving me the gears before we started interview about having how you guys have nice setups and I have nothing, so I put it here. The uh, the trophy, the uh, <laughs> mo- the most visually pleasing member of the show. This is, is that a bowling? This... Is that bowling? What is that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would say it's uh, it's Lawn really bowling, more, maybe. Yeah, it's more to commemorate how uh, it's an uh, ashtray. Handsome, yeah, number one handsome boy. <laughs> so, there you go, decoration number one behind me there. This is oh, yeah. I, I I'm still upset over this poll, but we all know that the the internet you can't trust anything you see on the, or read on the internet. So I uh, don't believe in this poll. Um, uh, nice job, Matt. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's move on, Greg. To uh, you want answers. Yes. Okay. Time for You Want Answers brought to you by Faces Magazine. Be sure to head on out and grab their latest copy, which came out with our very own Mark Mathot on the cover. Yeah. So we tossed it out the other day, just asking people uh, if they had any kind of fun fan. I love doing these. I know you guys do. They brought up some great stories in the past, the Paris Hilton monkey stories. And so with this one, I don't know if we're going to get any of those this week. Maybe you never know. Uh, So we tossed it out there. Fans gave us questions. They wanted answers. We're going to give them answers. So let's hop right into these. Uh, okay, I like this one first. This one com- comes from my buddy Verada at hockey underscore brunch. Uh, and he asked, uh, when coaches start juggling lines mid-game, do they give you kind of any heads up on the bench or even even before? Or do they just kind of call it your number and, and you got to roll with it? Matt, obviously, this one's more for you, I think. Yeah, oftentimes when, when coaches start manipulating lines, you're generally not playing very well. So I think as a player, you're expecting it to happen. It's more you know, it happens more often up front with the forward lines. It's tougher to juggle deep pairings. They still do that. If one deep pairing in particular is struggling, like on any given night, if I was playing brutal with Eric, they would, they would bump me back on the second pairing or vice versa. And I'd end up playing with a fresh face and it would work. And I think as a player, you just have to be receptive and adapt. It's part of the game. So it it does happen. It, It usually can throw a wrench at you because you have no chemistry with some of these new players, but it's just something you have to do. Matt, what do you do when a, a defenseman on your team like takes a fighting major or a misconduct and they're gone for five to 10 or whatever? Do you, do the, does the bench, do the, you guys like that? I mean, you get a little more ice time or is it just kind of like, Jesus, dude, like, come on. <laughs> I, I, I personally hated it. I mean, as much as I respected the fight itself, I hated it because you just, you develop such a strong chemistry with, with the partner, right? You play, you're doing all these reps together on any given night. And then all of a sudden, maybe Boro would take a fighting major and I'd have to be like, Oh, okay. Now I got to start playing with Caesar or with whoever else or wides at the time and nothing against anybody else on, in the lineup. It was more just that unfamiliarity with that partner in particular. So, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I know I didn't mind if a fourth liner up front with bite, you know, I'd be stick tapping on the bench, but when a defenseman would, I'd still tip tick uh, stick tap, but usually with a bit of a, uh, you know, a disdain towards that player. So it's just the way it was. <laughs> okay. All right, perfect. That was a good one. They got, we got some answers already. Okay, yeah. we're going to jump to the next one here. This comes from Dan at Jumped a Shark on Twitter. And he asked, uh, were there any particular moments where you were legitimately moved or impressed by kind of the crowd's energy at a game? Uh, Wally? Wally, yeah, why don't you kick this one off? Uh, the first one for me will always stand out is Saku Koivu returns in Montreal after Ooh. his cancer treatment. That was, uh, and it still does right now, the, the hair stands up on your arms and you just w- watch and observe all of this embracing of Saku Koiva. It was really phenomenal. It was, it was very moving. Um, there's been a few of those. You see some of the greats that would come in through Montreal and they would get honored. I know I was there one night, Rocket Richard uh, was honored. But uh, I always, for the Sense fans, always, always appreciated 11-11. It was just one of those things you're like, 
it's innocuous. You don't expect it to catch on. And that one, went, oh, anytime my phone does it to, to this day, I always kind of smile. It, I seem to notice it all the time, 11-11. That one was always a good one. Yeah, that was – and it's hard to compete with that, especially with Alfie's uh, – one of his last games when we were in Ottawa and the fans were on their feet the entire yeah. uh, warm-up, the pregame warm-up, and, and the crowd, like, it was packed. So, to me, that was pretty cool. But I'm going to go off the board a little bit here and describe the fan reaction in Montreal when we eliminated them in their own building in 2013 for that playoff run. That was incredible. I know just silencing the Montreal crowd, whom I respect more than almost any crowd, by the way, in the NHL. They're so passionate. But having silenced them from doing that obnoxious ole ole chant to me was incredibly satisfying. And I believe they scored in that game on an assist from from the legendary Daniel Alfredson himself. So uh, that will always kind of stick there in the back of my mind. That was a really cool experience. Okay. Another couple good ones there. Okay. Um, sticking kind of with fan stuff a little bit here. Uh, Steve on sends at Steve on sends asked, what do players think of the, the send steam song? Steam uh, theme song. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I mean, obviously you guys hear it kind of coming on and off the ice and stuff. We're talking about the horn trumpety. Uh, Brent, can you give it to me? Uh, do, 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 do. That's it. Matt, that was do you good. Yeah, that, that was, was really good. good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Um, what do players think about that? Like, I'm, obviously, that one that one goes back to the, the start of the franchise. Is that so kind sure. of iconic that, like, you kind of, as a player, it's the thing that you kind of dig a little bit on the, on the way in? I Yeah, I, I loved it. And I, I mean, I, Wally's been around it a ton as well. But I from my perspective, at least in playing, I, I, I really always enjoyed it. It was nostalgic for me. It reminded me of the days – you know, back in even at the Civic Center when they played downtown, it just it's always stuck to me. It, it gave me goosebumps when I first joined the team right after that lockout year in 2012. So, I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. There's one thing I could do without, and it's the goal song. I mean, the oh, song, too, yeah. that song, too, by Blur, I think the woohoo. I think it's time to retire that and perhaps change that one up. But but I do love the intro music. I don't want that to ever go away. It's incredible. They did. I think for a few years, they didn't play that music. Like the yeah, they eliminated it. Yeah, yeah, and then it, I, I don't know which side of the fence I'm on. I'm, I'm kind of, I like it, but I'm like, it gets you overused to me for a lot. So yeah, uh, I, I do appreciate it because when it happens, you know exactly what's going on and you remember where you were when the first time kind yeah. of thing. But that goal song, you're right. Can we like? <laughs> Do the players not go? Can we not change this up for some like one goal at least? I, like, yeah, I cringe when I'm watching the yeah, games on TV. Like I'm I, like, oh no! It's funny. Like just in the last couple of games, I heard it at home, and I'm like, yeah, they still are playing this song. And that, like, let's let that it go. Yeah, and that reminds me of uh, so that that Machine Head song by Bush. That was that's still the entrance song in Columbus, I believe, oh. uh, for the Blue Jackets, which was there when I was there. And that's another thing. It's like just just like mix it up, like yeah, play something yeah. different. Anyway, I, I could rant on all day about this. Well, don't the players could, get a say? Well, I was going to say we're very aware of it. Like it got to the point where I was walking down the tunnel in Columbus. I remember, and, and I'm I'm always in tune with the music, and I all I could think was, oh my god, this is brutal. Like I'm embarrassed. <laughs> And, and maybe I was putting too much thought into it, but I hated it. So <laughs> Did, I'm always for fresh music. I well, Here's, I'm going off board for a second. Did you ever yeah. get to pick warm-up music? Yes, yes. I was always, so in I Columbus, yeah, I was I was providing our DJs with, with burn discs. And I'd have like Pantera, but but like not just metal, but like rap, good music. It wasn't the generic like Metallica Black album stuff. Like it was everything that you could think of. I always took pride in that. And then eventually it got digital and we'd have to just request the songs. And I think we were doing that for a little while in Ottawa. I don't know if they still do. 
Good question. Mm-hmm. So, like, did you take requests from the players? Yes, but I mean, you got to understand that there are some outlandish tastes, and you have to you have to curate it a little bit and, and improve the list. And I mean, but you have, but again, you have to cater to everybody. Some guys like to dance electronic music, and other guys like country. Which, by the way, I would never put in a playlist for pregame warmup. But uh, it was a lot of rock and rap and a little bit of EDM, and it worked out well for everybody. And here's a question: Okay, this is if. Nashville is coming to town and Mike Fisher's on the team. Would you ever just troll him by playing Carrie Underwood in the warm-up? <laughs> well, I, you could, but I'm not, I'm not that friendly with fish. So I, I couldn't, I, I don't think I can get away with it, but I'm sure uh, if you had a guy like Philly or Neeler that were playing on the team, they'd probably be more inclined to do that. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Craig. I, I oh, no, that's all good. <laughs> and if you brought up the goal song there, and it actually, this is a very full circle moment. Cause I, this is something I've asked a lot of players is uh, if you yeah. could pick, would you prefer like a team goal song or would you prefer like your personalized one? And, and the setup for oh. this is I remember asking Chris Weidman this question years ago and he gave me a good yeah. answer because he picked the Macarena. And I thought that was hilarious because then if you score, everybody starts doing the Macarena. Like I thought that would be a hilarious visual. Uh, that was actually his baseball walkout music too. Is what I said. Like he, <laughs> as a player, would you prefer kind of the team one and everybody gets the same one or would you like to pick your own? No, I, you know, you'd have to go with the team one. You know, I think this is a decision – and honestly, this is the way it should go. The team mm-hmm. should come together in training camp or just prior, like during the, uh, you know, the, before the exhibition games begin and have a quick little meeting in the room, decide on a song. It might take 10 minutes. And then you throw it up to your, your, uh, the team organization, DJ, whoever's running the music and mm-hmm. pass it through him. And if he okays it, then you're good. I think you can't be selfish and just pick some song that you'd rather have yourself. It doesn't really work that way. Well, Jason Spezza, he had his in, in Ottawa too, right? Or Danny Heatley had the heat is on. Like there were some times where I think maybe it's maybe it's just like a, a good jersey number. Maybe it's reserved for well, special people. And, and some teams are doing goal songs, right? Yeah. Where they'll they'll play their own goal song. And I forget it's be I could Google it, but yeah. I know some teams have their own personalized goal songs. I love that. That adds mm-hmm. a little more individuality and character into the game. And I, it's it's good for everybody. Wasn't Alfie's a beautiful day or whatever it was by you two? Oh, could be. I, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm pretty, I, I'm there was sure a couple guys that, that had their own and that's kind of what I was getting at is like Keatley had his and Jason Spezza had it. Yeah. Like some, some, everybody kind of had their own, but then there was yeah. an over, what a nightmare to be the DJ though. And you're trying to see who <laughs> scored and which stupid song you got to play. <laughs> it tips oh. off somebody else. You can't see. Yeah. The tip. Yeah. It's a terrible yeah. Nightmare. Okay. All right. That one went off on a little tangent. I like that one. Okay. So let's, maybe this will happen here again to uh, Quentin Young at young underscore Quentin on Twitter asks, what's the strangest thing a GM has ever said to you and you know what let's start oh. with brent let's start with brent on this one so it's it's not the strangest but it's just a strange scenario so during the 0405 lockout we were traveling all over and so one of the, just to try and find where gary bettman was speaking one of these events was a sports symposium uh, i know the panel had like brian burke and brian lawton and a bunch of other player agents and gms and all kinds of stuff and so uh neil Young, not Neil Young, sorry, Neil Smith, who was former GM of the New York Rangers, is there, but he's out of a job. And at one point, he had been on TSN doing some stuff. So he saw me and he comes over and he's hanging out with me and he's giving me his business card. We've never met, by the way, just so this is clear. And he's and he's trying to hit me up like, hey, do you know any job openings? You know anything that's going on? Uh, you know, what are you thinking? What are you hearing? And so he's like, give me a shout if you got anything. I'm like, all right. No idea who I am, clearly. So uh, fast forward in later in that year, he gets hired by the New York Islanders or he just gets hired and he's a couple weeks into the job. TSN goes, Brent, 
listen, it's the summer. We need you to be our hockey insider for, I don't know, Thursday. I'm like, cool. So I'm like, great. I'm going to call Neil and I'm going to see what he can help me with in New York Islanders. So I'll pick up the phone. I call. He pretends he's never heard of me. He's like, ah, I'm like, hi, Neil. I just, I'm just trying to find some stuff here. You got anything to talk to me about? He's like, I don't feel comfortable talking to you. Uh, and he, and he wouldn't give me anything. And then like two weeks later, he's fired by the honors because it was just a gong show. He was there for like three months. I'll never forget Neil Smith trying to get me to get him a job and then pretending he knew nothing about me as soon as he got the <laughs> I, that one bothers me still to this day. And I, Karma. by the way, th- that same week I called uh, a couple others and Dale Talon quickly called me right back. He's one of the nicest people in, in the national hockey league. Uh, he didn't have to, he didn't know me at all. And I'll always remember one of them was Dale Talon. Super nice guy. Nice. Okay. That's a good little story there. Matt, I'm sure some, some GMs might've said some things to you over the years. Anything come to mind at all or. Honestly, and I'm, I'm trying to think back to like anything remotely interesting that a general manager would have said to me, I've had some good, you know, post season uh, meetings with Brian Murray, but never, they were always generally pretty positive. So I don't really have anything juicy to say here. Okay. Well, how about that? Okay. Well, can you, cause exit interviews probably just happened in, in Ottawa. Can you walk me through what that, what that day's like for a player. Cause I've yeah. seen it from my end and you just see a lot of guys sitting around and you see guys quietly leaving. And is there an, is there an order? Like, obviously you'd prefer to go first. I imagine. Is there an right. order? Uh, what do you, what do you hope to hear? Like what, what is this? What is exit interviews? Oh, Brett Wait a second. You do not want to go first in exit meetings. Cause it usually the night before you have gone out and had the team party. Oh, so you want okay. to be in the middle of the exit interviews, if I'm not okay. mistaken. <laughs> no. And, and it's funny. Cause I think all three of us here are very used to those days, right? Because, Wally, yeah. you know what it's oh. like, like trying to pound players down when perhaps they finished off the year very poorly. And as we all know, when you're on a skid going into the, you know, your last game, the mood's just brutal. And it's hard to get good interviews out of guys. And, Craig, you're always scrambling to find players to talk to. Well, it's, it's, our, last chan- it's our last chance to talk to you guys for months. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just so, trying to get as much as we can in one day. It's a disaster. But on yeah, your end, what's the player experience like? Well, that's so, so, so Wally makes a good point. Everyone knows about the infamous end of the year party. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly a, a night where the entire team lets out a lot of steam. Um, and, and generally a lot of drinking happens, obviously you're having fun with your gut, with your buddies and, um, and then exit interviews don't, they don't waste time with them. So generally you fill out this sheet going into that day where you find a time slot that you want. And usually they start at like, you know, 8am. Mm-hmm. I I've seen some funny stuff where guys are basically crawling into the arena and they're, and, and I might go to the washroom and I know this is a lot of information, but I might be, I might be just going to the restroom and you can see players on their knees in the stalls oh yakking maybe an hour before their meeting, trying to sober up, throwing the Vicks vapor rub on their chest or around their nose. So they don't smell like puke when they're going to talk to the GM. These are all things that happen. I know it doesn't sound very professional. It does not happen very often. So do not get me wrong. And I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but it does happen every year. And, um, and generally it depends on the way you've ended, right? If you've ended it on a high note, the mood is good. Everyone's happy. You see that typically more often when you've made the postseason, you made a little noise and you know, the GM secure coaching, all the coaching staff is secure. So, you know, you're going to have a relatively positive end of the year meeting. And um, I've been fortunate enough to, to do a lot of that where we've ended the year fairly well. So I haven't had a lot of negative meetings, but typically as a Wiley vet, I would pick my meetings as Wally mentioned around noon. I'd like to get a good steam, maybe an hour beforehand, drink a lot of water, have a coffee, and then I'm ready to go and focused. And uh, that's usually how they go. And then you're off to the races to get out of town and go back to your home city. 
those days are so for you it's all positive or, or you're hoping it's positive for us hoping yeah we want who's up for a contract who's not coming back who's not going to be offered who's going to the world championships who was injured and didn't want to have you know anything to do with being there and then the best part is though <laughs> i can like, vividly remember guys coming out and we're usually there around nine ten and we're still talking to guys who are inebriated and so, <laughs> so you're trying to protect them because you, you just went through the whole year together you know them you don't want to obviously embarrass them whatever and yeah. They're just coming out to talk because they have to, but they are nowhere near that locker room or anywhere near those questions being asked. So, and Wally, could you smell them? Could you oh, smell yeah. them in these interviews? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. tough. And that's why you were so well liked because you would literally communicate that to the oh. player. Like, listen, pull your, pull it together here. Yeah. Okay. Like, let's go. So I had someone come back to me. I, I, some days we'll be able to name names, but he, he's like, is that okay? And I'm like, I'm like, it's fine. It's like, <laughs> because i like i don't even know who you are right now so like yeah. anyway it is pretty funny to watch and, and to see it's but it's tough even on us because it's like it's the end of the year like this yeah. is disappointing that we're not getting to continue on because it's fun being in the room despite on both sides of the camera or the microphone of just being around that group because you become yeah. friends somewhat um and to see all that transpire and everybody head out with the garbage bags and the big tubs of bubble gum i used to see everybody take uh, those were always the tough days. Yeah. Okay. That's a good little recap of that day. That was, that day was always a, a d- disaster for us. Like I mentioned, trying to get everybody before they leave. And like yeah, I yeah. said, like, eh, not everybody's interested in sitting down and chatting for 12 minutes or whatever. No. That's and why you, sorry. Ahead, and you're trying to say to, to the guys, like, thank you. Cause we, I yeah. always try to go to the end. It was like, listen, thank you for just putting up with us for the last eight months and 700 interviews. Like I just appreciate mm. your time. So you always wanted just to say thanks because you're not going to see them for a long time. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Craig. No, no, no. That's, man, that's about it, right? Is you just kind of, you don't really get, like, we never really got to say bye to guys. Like, more so, it was yeah. just so, so much mayhem. Uh, once the dust settles, it's like, who, yeah. you don't know who's there. Okay, so, Matt, yeah. if, if guys didn't show up, were you annoyed? Like, I remember guys, there were some players. Now, what like, do you mean by that? Like, show like, up at Tom, all? Yeah, on that, like, Tom Barrasso, he was, he didn't show up on that day. Um, there were a couple other players I can remember through the years that just didn't show up for locker clean that day. <laughs> I think there's so much, it's crazy because despite it being, you know, it's, 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 it's professional in that it's, you know, a serious business and there's a lot yeah. of money involved, but, but it's a game, right? But there's so much emphasis in being punctual. You got to be here at this time for this meeting today, or you're going to be in big trouble. And I'm thinking like, it's almost kind of silly, but you know, so, so on any given day, the reason why I say this is on any given day, if a player was late, it was a big deal. Like we were trying to call. Cause of course, some guys weren't waking up on time to get to the arena. Right. So we're all scrambling. Okay. Go get so-and-so. I think he's passed out still at home. Like we got to wake him up, bring him, bring him in. And it was made, it was made out to be such a big deal. And all I'm thinking is like, who cares if he's late, somebody just fill in for him when he's ready, he'll come in and do the meeting. Like, and, and that part was always beyond me. I'm thinking like, come on, like we're not, nobody's, nobody's curing cancer here in this locker room. We're not a bunch of politicians or doctors. This is a game. Let's lighten up a little bit. And I found that it was always a little overboard on the seriousness of it. But I mean, I was always on time, full disclosure. But again, I was always that guy covering for other players, trying to get a hold of them, bringing them in, going to talk to the coach, saying, hey, listen, he's not feeling good right now. He'll come in when he's ready. So it's funny how you got to manage those two sides because there's got to be a little bit of lightheartedness in all this. Okay. 
right? Anyways, that day, that day, I don't miss a locker clean out day. I'm sure guys, right? Too, it must be okay. You get to say bye, and you're it's it's the last day of school. Like it, it's funny it's, because it's it's awkward though, Craig, because yeah. you have to say bye to like 30 people, and it's yeah. you're like shaking hands with everybody. Like it's just it's awkward. I always I didn't like that part of it, but yeah, well, you know what? Okay, I think we're good. There then. <laughs> Um, okay, we've had a couple questions kind of like this. So uh, we'll go a couple different routes with it. But Evander at Gowans underscore Evan on Twitter asked, uh, was there ever a player on your team or opposing team that had the best kind of lines or always had you kind of laughing or whatever? It, I mean, I guess, Wally, we'll start with you a little bit. Does it? Um, was there a guy like an interview, like an opposing interview that you would do that you just knew you were going to get the goods from? That's a good one uh it depends on the situation and then depends on the, the mood of whatever's transpiring but some guys are a lot better than others uh, like colby armstrong was always a great guy to to be around because he would probably try to make it entertaining um chris neal would always try to be somewhat dry with a sense of humor and entertaining uh, yarko rutu was another guy in the locker room like yarko rutu used to chase me around the locker room with his jock and i was like <laughs> Like, would you just beat it already? Like, but he was always funny. He was like, I'm trying to sign this for you. Here, you won't take it. I'm like, oh, for the love of That's God. That's awesome. But there's awesome. a few of those guys. Donald Brashear, like, I always found tough guys always had probably a good sense of humor. Andre Waugh in, in Ottawa was probably on the far <laughs> side of lunacy, but he was always entertaining. Uh, so those guys, yeah, I would probably say tough guys. And they don't get talked yeah. to very often. So they're always the guys that want to have a little bit more to say and a little bit more fun. And on that note, just, just to touch on, you mentioned mm-hmm. Donald Brashear, it immediately comes to mind. My first game ever playing against him when he was in Washington, um, I still remember in pregame warm-up, looking across the ice, he had no shoulder pads or elbow pads on. <laughs> he had a tracksuit on underneath, like you could see the tracksuit <laughs> collar, on underneath his jersey with earbuds in, listening to his own music skating around in freaking oh and, and I mean, that may not seem like a very big deal to a lot of people, but like very uncharacteristic That's, in yeah. hockey, right? And I, like, I, I could just think, I'm like, what is, like, this guy scares me, you know? <laughs> so that was just a quick Donald Brashear no, story. But, but as far as chirping goes, I mean, other than I've told the Derek Dorsett story before right. where he chirped Mark Recchi in exhibition game and told him like to let the young kids play and Recky didn't like that. And some of the leadership in Columbus had to tell him to sit down. Um, other than that, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So I apologize. That's all I got. I did see um, one time was uh, Don Brennan from the Ottawa sun wrote about, they were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins Ottawa was, and he wrote something about Ottawa should take out Crosby's ankles or knees or something. Oh boy. Oh boy. And, it, and George LaRocque is on the Penguins at the time. And he was not a big fan of this article. And I can just remember George LaRock and Don Brennan are in now the Penguins locker room. And George is an imposing man, obviously. And they're just standing there and they're kind of going toe to toe. But you like you just get the sense that George would like to pummel Don Brennan at any moment. <laughs> and and obviously Don doesn't want to get beat up. So it was it was entertaining to watch. I've seen a couple of those incidents uh, in, in locker rooms where the media member is not well received. Uh, yeah. But that does make some entertainment. That's for sure. Sure. Matt, well, I, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it sometimes. It's, a lot of times it's friendly, but does that ever, do you guys ever chirp in warmups at all? Like you ever get that back and forth or is there, is there guys that, you know, like it starts the second you see them in warmup, you start talking shit. Yeah. The, I, it's, I'm actually glad you asked that. I, I, yeah. I can think back to one game in particular where, first of all, the year that I played with the all 
all WWE team in Syracuse where we had all those tough guys. There was like five of them on our team. It was insane. Um, we were in, I think it was Grand Rapids and Andrew Ferentz's younger brother was a bit of a, like a pest. Brad, Brad right? Uh, yeah. I Brad Ferentz, I, I think. Yeah. I could have, yeah. Just a little brother. I think we'll just call him. Yeah. He was actually taller. I think he was yeah. my size and he was, for whatever reason, hated me. We didn't like each other. And we kept doing loops and warm up and he was firing pucks at me. And I believe he hit me once pretty hard in the cap. And I was young, but I was still, you know, I was, I was a young, hungry meth, right? I was angry. So I caught him one time getting up on the red line and I two hand him as hard as I can, maybe not as hard as I could, but hard enough in the back of the, the calf. And I fire a puck at him and there's a little scrum that ensues. Players kind of jump in. This is pregame warmups, right? Mm-hmm. And a couple of days later, I get a call from the league and I get fined two grand. And in the American league, when you're making $2,000 every you know, two and a half weeks or whatever it was on those pay on those paydays. That's a lot of money, right? So all, all I can remember is that phone call and my my jaw dropping and my heart sinking into my stomach, thinking, I'm not gonna get paid. How am I gonna make rent this because I'm living paycheck to paycheck? But uh certainly a good learning experience for me. I'm like, keep it for during the games because that money is not worth uh you know the, the cost in pregame warm up on suspensions and fines. Do you like because you just mentioned that team i think you called them the all meat team at one point does that give you like the the extra like knowing you have that level of backup to just kind of maybe take a swing and warm-ups like that's that's where that come from or i still remember like vividly some of the fights like we had tom sestito who played in in the nhl for a bit uh, Derek dorsett we had zenin kanapka brandon sugden and john morasti among other players that were great like it was insane Mm. so did you have jody shelley but no, I never played with Hawk. Okay. He was there a couple of years prior. But like guys like Morasti, and I know I've said this before, were firing pucks off the glass in pregame warmups into the opposing zone and hitting players. Like, like it was just the theatrics were out of this world. We had fans in the stands wearing these wolf pelts over their heads and guys dressed as Hanson brothers. And Kanopka would go up and spray them with water. Yeah, and that's like, it was just, it was wild. Yeah, I had a lot of good memories that year. It's crazy because that wasn't that long ago, right? It was what? Uh, Twenty? No, it would have been two thousand and fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were. It's cool that that still existed then, because like you think (laughs) that those days were like long gone, but like it's cool that that was still around then. Yeah, I grew up with the AHL in Fredericton, and they would have like bench clearing brawls, right? Like they were not uncommon. And I just remember you just look (laughs) out and Brad Brown, who's a buddy of mine now. I was he was never had his tarps on. Like everybody's just around no shirts, nothing on it. Well, I love the, <laughs> oh, man. loved it. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Well, okay. So the last, last fan question we're going to do today comes from SB on sends at, at SB, uh, S, is it Bonsen? Anyways, whatever you, whatever your name is. Uh, what's the best play either one of you uh, were in the building to witness, like whether it was uh, the, like a play, it's just something. What do you remember okay. like being wowed at? I'll take this first because I'm going to admit right now. So after 23 years or whatever, 24 years of covering NHL hockey, I don't remember a lot. So they all just blend <laughs> together. So yeah. there are certain things I do remember, like Mark Andre Fleury making the stop uh, in Detroit to win the Stanley Cup, where he's you know I think it's Game Seven, and I can't remember if it's over. Is it overtime? I don't know. I can't remember. It was just kind of at the end of the game, I think. Yeah, like they're so, up two to one or whatever it was, winding down. Um, there's those kinds of plays that happen more regularly than I think. And I just can't remember them, but the one I, I, I if it's an Ottawa play, we always talk about it because I think it's shown the most. And that is the uh, Carlson to Hoffman pass mm-hmm. in Boston where he scores. That's probably the one that stands out the most. I'm sure there's tons of them. I, I just can't think of them. 
Okay. Uh, Matthew, you've probably seen a few decent hockey plays in your life. Is there, is there anything that jumps out? And it, and it like Wally, it's the same thing. It's the strangest thing. Cause you'd think we'd be like an encyclopedia yeah. of highlight real goals, but everything just kind of, it's a blur. Cause you're so like Wally again, I'm keep repeating myself. You're just so focused on your job that you're doing that you sometimes gloss over those big moments and you forget about them. But when I look back to my career, I, I mean, the, the Carl, the, the, the Carlson pass to Hoffman was huge. That was my more recent memory that I can think of. But for me, all time would have been the, uh, the, the Rick Nash goal where he had like three toe drags against the uh, oh, Phoenix yeah. Coyotes. That was insane. For those watching or listening, go Google that one on YouTube. It's incredible. It, it's the Rick Nash. I think it was in overtime. And I remember I was wearing number 29, I think. And I happened to be in the newspaper the next day uh, on the front cover, just trying to jump on Rick after that goal. But I was wearing a brutal number. It wasn't 48. <laughs> it was the evolution of Mark Mathot going on a 29 before he finally reached three. Uh, but no, I, Incredible goal. Uh, again, I don't think I've ever seen anything more skilled from end to end involving three ridiculous toe drags and then finishing. It was just, it was beautiful. You know what the problem is? And I, and the reason that I guess like hockey players or athletes and the media don't remember is you move on to the next game, like the next day, right? Like just like that. Yeah, it is. It's in the back. And now you're trying like, how do I get to the next game or the next day? Yeah. The 2010, 11 playoffs. I think it was, it's the, Philadelphia Chicago final. I covered 24 playoff games that year. <laughs> and I like I lost That's I think it was 15 pounds. Like I was exhausted. <laughs> so you're just hanging on by the end of it. So like I don't remember that stuff cuz you're just trying yeah. to get to the next game, the next series. Uh, anyway, that was that Well, are you guys are you guys on the road? Like are you traveling as well doing all, all the commercial? Yeah. So you're so are you so you guys are also probably putting in a shift the odd night on the oh. road too, right? Having a couple beers every and, once in a while, like, and then you've got yeah. like a, a six a.m. flight the next day to get to the other city to get to the practice rink the next morning at ten thirty. Like, oh boy, it, it's tough. a grind. It's yeah. I mean it's fun at the end when it's all over, but when you're when you're in it, you're like, I don't know how much more I can do here. You just crawl yeah. into bed anyway, <laughs> and and mis and and brutal sleep. I'm guessing too, right? Like oh. you got to figure out how to get into a normal sleep pattern, which is virtually impossible. That's what a lot of people don't understand. What makes your like that job very difficult when you're traveling yeah. with the team? You're all you're doing the late nights, all the prep, all that stuff's brutal. So the one thing I always said about my job was, we need to be at the peak of our job at the last hour of it so yeah. everybody gets to work yeah. in their eight hour shift they you know they mail in the last hour ours is the most intense because you're on camera <laughs> the last hour so you're jacked at in playoff hockey it goes late so you're at jacked at 12 30 in the night then you get to yeah. your hotel and then yeah so then you're up till two three in the morning well you can't home. come down you can't come down no. from the games like no. it got to the point in the postseason i don't even know i should be saying this but like i would take like even a shot on equal sometimes after games yeah or, 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 and I'd be like asking for chamomile tea on the planes. Cause I tried staying away from like Ambien and stuff where a lot of players, that was more, you know, around earlier on in my career where cause mm. crazy travel schedule and whatnot, but like NyQuil or anything to help you fall asleep yep. just to get like six hours before the next day, it's a grind and it wears on you and your eyes are twitching for like three weeks at a time. Cause you're so stressed. It was I'll, brutal. I'll tell you one other day. In another episode, I'll tell you my whole sleeping pill story as I try to travel <laughs> North America. I can't wait. I can't That'll wait. Be a good one. Okay. Well, you know what? We got a lot of answers today. Yeah. Uh, so appreciate those. Thanks for everyone who sent them in too. I read most of your names correctly. So that was good. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, rewarding some more of the fans here. We got some trivia stuff to give away. So we're actually going to start uh, by giving away. We have a Wally and Mathot shop 
kind of pack to give away a mug and a t-shirt. Uh, so nice. if you, oh man, flying off the shelves here. So if you rewind back to our last show uh, with Ian and Simmer, we, uh, we actually didn't touch the interview on this one. We asked more of a trivia question. Ian's a huge trivia guy. I don't know if you guys knew that. He used to do trivia up in the, uh, in between intermissions, you, you were, Matthew were busy playing obviously. And Brent were busy working. <laughs> there, no, the I was there. Us, like there would be he, teams. I oh, stopped yeah. going after a while, but he, there'd be was, two teams in the intermissions and yeah. be like four or five guys, each team or whatever. And Ian would have the craziest questions. And then we'd have to try and embarrass ourselves by. Answering yeah. That. I was just, I was terrible. At it. I would just show up. I'd guess wrong a bunch and then I'd leave. Um, but okay. So anyways, back, back to, back to trivia here. Um, we, we asked a little trivia question, uh, which was, over the past decade, which Sens defenseman uh, leads the team in plus minus? Uh, hey, guess what? It's our very own Mark Mathot. Did you know, Matt, did you know that? No, he didn't know it because he sent me an email going, what's the answer? I legit, like, legitimately, I'm I am sorry. not kidding. I had no idea. <laughs> when I thought about it a little bit, I thought, well, maybe there's a chance, but I'm thinking like, there's got to be somebody, right? So that was very flattering. Thank you for involving me in the famous trivia. <laughs> <laughs> does it change your stance on plus more? Do, like do players care about plus minus? I mean, if I found out I was leading teams in plus minus, I well, pump that up a little bit. Now the, the numbers get skewed a little bit and I'm not going to, cause I go on here and on, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it all the time because it can vary forwards and players that are out there for extra minute. You know, like when you're yeah. pulling your goalie, for example, you yeah. get a shorty scored against you that, that can, that can affect it over the course of, you know, X amount of games in a full season. So I just think, if, if, if there's a significant bump in it in comparison to your teammates, whether good or bad, I think there's something to be said there. But for the most part, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It, it can be a little skewed. Okay. Well, hey, guess what? Congrats. You t- tops for the for defenseman for the past decade there. Out of boy. Okay. Hey, you know what? Congrats to somebody else too. At chronically sends they were they guessed that correctly and you're going to score yourself a wally mathot uh, merch prize pack so uh keep an eye on your dms because we're going to be reaching out shortly if you would like one of these mugs or shirts of your own you can get them uh for yourself at shop.wallyandmathot.com mugs t-shirts all kinds of great stuff there so hey check it out if you uh, have a chance because they look pretty good um we're going to move on to today so today's i don't know if i'm wearing a little gong show today as well um we got another gong show sauce off kit to give away. Uh, so for today's trivia question, uh, up for grabs, gong show sauce off game. Summer's right around the corner, ultimate backyard game, bring it to the cottage, throw it in a parking lot in the driveway, bring your buddies over. Uh, if you don't win, if you're not the lucky one that wins this, you can order yours at gongshow.com. So today's question is which goalie did Chris Weidman score his first NHL goal on? So head, yeah, head on over to at Wally and Mathot on Twitter and post your answer using the hashtag Wally Mathot and be sure to tag at Gong Show Gear. Contest closes on Tuesday, May 18th at midnight, and we're going to reveal the winner on our next show. You guys, thanks uh, again, as always, so, to Gong Show. I mean, that's oh, yeah, they, they've always taken care of us. So I appreciate everything that Gong Show has done. Also, check out their spring and summer collection online at gongshowgear.com. Also, if you like our show, uh, just hit subscribe and like. We'd appreciate that. Uh, you can catch us on YouTube and, of course, across all the uh, podcast networks. And uh, a big thank you, as always, as we continue to try and put this show together to our sponsors. And that's BEI and Faces and Whitewater Beer and Gong Show and uh, who else? Oh, Sports Interaction. So all those guys, uh, we appreciate you taking care of us. And so uh, with that, we appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you again in our next show. And Matt, Greg, I would say this show smooth sailing see you next time you're watching the walling the thought show
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.